for NASCAR Weekend Preview and Hot Topic Sound Off from the Fan for Racing Group. And joining me for today's uh, podcast is our co-host for today, Jay Huseman. All right. Thank you, Sharon. Excited, exciting weekend. We got the triple header at Martinsville, one of the uh, short tracks uh, on NASCAR circuit, and I think is going to provide a lot of excitement both for us to talk about today and on the track this weekend. Absolutely. Now, we're going to preview all three series, but before that, we're going to give you a few updates uh, on short track news as well as the Arkham Menard series uh, to include the East End. They are not racing this weekend, but uh, we'll kind of keep you to date with what's going on in those series. Um, at the top, well, yeah, at the top of the hour, we are going to get into um, the truck series first, then we'll go to the Xfinity series, and then the Cup series, all racing at Martinsville Speedway this weekend. Uh, starting at 12 Eastern, we are going to get into our Hot Topic Sound Off. I believe it's just you and me, Jay. I don't think anyone else is available uh, during the podcast time here, but uh, we will look forward to talking uh, to everybody again next week. Well, we still got some good topics to cover, and I know, uh, as always, we got a group chat, some of the comments made in there we can relay on behalf of Mike, Andy. Uh, I don't know if Tommy or Aunt, uh, Owen had any in there or not, but uh, we'll cover some uh, interesting topics anyway. Yes, indeed. We can certainly uh, speak on their behalf based on what they've posted uh, in our private uh, uh, forum. Okay, let's go ahead and get started here with the uh, short track news. Um, there's a lot going on over the weekend uh, as far as short track racing. Carolina Speedway, if you're in that area, you want to be at the track on uh, April the 8th, Friday night for the Thunder Sportsman. Thunder Bomber and the Pure Stock Pro 4 and Hornets all to be racing uh, there. That If you want to watch that race, it's available for those that have subscribed to Racing America. So that's going to be a good one. Here's another Southern Super Series, the Blizzard Series number one uh, at Five Flight Speedway. I know Derek Thorne. Uh, left to be in this race this weekend. Uh, it's the uh, Southern Super Series, the Pro Truck, and the Pure Stock. Again, you can watch that live streaming at 9 p.m. Eastern over at Racing America. That's going to be a good one, Jay. Yeah, we heard Sal talk about that already on uh, on Monday night um, that you mentioned Derek Thorne on his way out there. Jake Garcia also going to be in that one as well. Yes. As well as getting a start in the Camping World NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. There's an article up there on That's Racing America right. about that. Yes, yes. Uh, all really, really good news for Jake Garcia. Uh, also on Saturday the 9th, there's, uh, let's see, how many races here? Three races on the 9th, the Gulf Coast Racing Series, Saturday the 9th. They don't have a time here yet, uh, but that's at uh, – that's for Pro Truck, Pro Late Model, Pro Mod, Pure Stock, and Echo Stock. So uh, keep your eyes uh, open to uh, that race for Racing America. And then also on the 9th at Thompson Speedway, uh, it was postponed last week 
So they'll have the uh, PPV icebreaker day two uh, to uh, re- reschedule for 1 p.m. Eastern time on uh, Racing America. It is a tape for, for view, so uh, check that out. Again, the Southern Super Series will be racing uh, their number two day. Uh, Pitside Live pre-race at 5.30 in the Southern Super Series Outlaw Sportsman at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's on Saturday. So three really big events there over at Racing America. Well, and then we also got the uh, ARCA CRA Super Series uh, at Anderson. Their season opener is now going to take place on Sunday, April 10th. I know this time of year here in the South, especially uh, weather still playing a little bit of a factor as these uh, series and tracks guys try to open up. Uh, I know up, up north there, your area and further north there, Sharon, uh, looking at mid-April, uh, kind of when they try and start. Um, but that's mm-hmm. weather's always a factor. So keep an eye on Racing America does a great job of keeping you up to date on that, of what's been rescheduled or pushed, postponed, and, and et cetera. Exactly. I'm going to move over to Racing America. I'm sorry, Home Racing now and their schedule because they have a lot of racing uh, that's going to be uh, taking place as well. Uh, let's see. On April 2nd, I want to get to the current weekend. Uh, starting tomorrow at Flow Racing, uh, 9 o'clock a.m., uh, from April the 7th to the 9th, the 2022 PDRA East Coast National uh, will be available for live streaming, uh, and that's from Thursday through Saturday. So you'll want to definitely check that out. Uh, also, they on let's see, from the 8th to the 9th, that's Friday through Sunday, they have the 2022 Woodstock starting at 4 p.m. on uh, Friday night. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, a lot of, lot of racing you can catch up on and stay current with uh, there on Flow Racing as well. As you mentioned, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we had uh, Brandon on here. Talked about some of that and all different series. I like that of, of they aren't one mm-hmm. specific covering all racing uh, that you can, you can find. For example, at 5 o'clock on Friday, there's the USAC Kokomo Grand Prix at Kokomo Speedway. That's actually, that event uh, actually goes from Friday through Sunday, as does the 2022 Funny Car Chaos at the State Capitol Raceway. Uh, that will start at 5 o'clock uh, also over at uh, Flow Racing. At 6.55 p.m., they've got the 2022 Weekly Racing at Marshalltown Speedway on Friday. And at 8 p.m. on Friday, it's the Weekly Racing at Ocean Speedway. So a lot of uh, live streaming over there on uh, Friday. Uh, But there's more, even more on Saturday. Well, that's what it normally said. Normally business picks up on Saturday for sure. That's your short track night of the week uh, throughout the country. Most places, I know there's some that do run Friday. Now, uh, uh, one set I haven't mentioned yet, uh, and they haven't given a time yet. It's a to-be-determined, the 2022 Ultimate Late Models at Lakeview Motor Speedway on Saturday. Also, uh, weekly racing at Bridgeport Motorsports Park on Saturday. Uh, that starts at 4. Also at 4 is the Spring Fling OVSCA 410 Sprints 
at Atomic Speedway. Also at 4.30, the weekly racing at Port Royal Speedway. The Weldon Sterner Memorial at Lincoln Speedway at 5 p.m. Trace at Port City Raceway. At uh, 6, the 2022 Anthony Simone Classic at Keller Auto Speedway. Uh, also at 6, the NASCAR Weekly Racing at Hickory Motor Speedway. At 6, also at the Weekly Racing for NASCAR at Langley Speedway. 7.30, we've got the Weekly Racing at Devil's Bowl Speedway. 7.30, also the NASCAR Weekly Racing at Meridian Speedway. Uh, the NASCAR Weekly Racing at Evergreen Speedway at 8 p.m. Another one at 8, uh, NASCAR Weekly Racing All-American Speedway. And also at 8.30, the Weekly Racing at Placerville Speedway. So if you think there's not any racing to watch at Sport, there is a ton of it. Well, and what I really like, a lot of them you mentioned there are weekly racing. As this uh, mm-hmm. streaming networks uh, expand and, and have more people working with them, they cover more track, you're seeing a lot more of that the weekly coverage from, uh, from a lot of these tracks. And I think that's just great for fans that, again, maybe in areas where they're not racing yet or uh, don't have one in their vicinity that they can go attend to be able to see some of these other races, especially the weekly racing. Exactly, and they have so much of it. If we move to Sunday, uh, if you're following the Smart Modifieds at Franklin County Speedway, uh, that's going to be aired uh, with live streaming at 3.40 p.m. on now. That, I believe, is the series that Bobby Labonte is racing this season. So uh, a lot of fun racing going on over, over at Flow Sports. And there, there you mentioned something else, the drivers that, that make these starts. Uh, I know we talk about William Byron making some starts in different series. Uh, I don't know if he's got any extracurricular uh, this weekend, but we've seen Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell involved in a lot of these as well. So you get to see some of the names you really do know and then the names you don't know yet, but you will. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and I think about uh, Parker Rutzoff with that because – Parker raced a, a few races in the uh, Arkham and Art Series last year, and he's racing Xfinity already, and look at how well he's doing. And he came from short yep. track racing at his local short tracks up in Wisconsin. That's great to see. It was great to have him on here. And, and you mentioned that there's a great article up. I believe that's on uh, the Arkham and Art homepage um, yes. talking about that. Yeah, but, but you know, he came from, from uh, short track racing, exactly what they're streaming over at Racing America and uh, Flow Racing, as well as Map TV. There's a lot of racing going on over there as well. So um, uh, really so much fun uh, to be able to have access day to these local short track races. And I, and I think that's a big thing. We've talked about it as we've covered the Arkham Menards East and West, uh, even going back to, and now I can't even think of what it was. We, I know we had to change over um, K&N Pro Series uh, back in the day. Knowing these names and being invested in them, uh, I mean, I know Ty Gibbs' name is obviously known, but some of these others, you mentioned Parker Retzlaff, fans being able to be invested in them, having followed their career four, five, six years before they hit the top series like the Xfinity series, they already have a fan following because they've been able to watch them 
throughout these uh, broadcasts that we're seeing on, on different uh, streaming platforms. Exactly. And, and look at the current cup drivers that are now going back to their late model roots. Uh, and that includes uh, William Byron's won a couple of short track races here recently, but Ryan Blaney is expressing an interest in a late model return. He's a third generation generation racer who's won five PASS races as a teenager. Well, he wants to go back to that uh, as a as a Cup Series driver and go back to his racing roots. Well, and we mentioned that it, there's more drivers that we're seeing do that and be involved in other series like that. I just think about here in this area where I'm at in Mississippi now. I know we've had uh, Austin and Ty Dillon in this area, Rusty and Stephen Wallace, Kenny Wallace. Ken Schrader was here uh, in the fall event last mm. year. So you get to see and meet. Tony Stewart's been through here uh, several times, actually, one of the first races I got to call as an announcer. So there again, be involved at your local tracks. You never know who you'll see out there. Exactly. You mentioned Jake Garcia. There's actually a great article about Jake Garcia over at Racing America from the Southern Super Series champion. He's going to be uh, making his Truck Series debut at Martinsville this weekend and uh, begin his transition into NASCAR's uh, series. So that's kind of exciting to see. Uh, I know uh, Sal mentioned Jake Garcia on Monday night and uh, what a great racer he actually is. And he, he is one uh, that gets mentioned with the likes of Bubba Pollard and Steven, Steven Nassie when you talk about the Pro Series or Super Late Model Asphalt Series in this area, Alabama, Mississippi, all the way down to mentioned uh, Five Flags Speedway where he's going to be this weekend. So he is one that I have seen race a couple of times and, again, I'm already familiar with as he now makes his truck series debut, other people are going to get that opportunity to see his talent. Exactly right. Uh, now, we mentioned that uh, NASCAR Weekly Racing, a lot of those uh, races are over at Blow Racing. Well, there's a $50,000 challenge in the advanced auto parts right now that these drivers are racing for. And uh, there's an article about all of that over at Flow Racing, if you want to check that out. I know that's another one that Sal talked a lot about. Again, he's followed Derek Thorne all the way from the West Coast, said he couldn't travel there uh, with him this weekend to Pensacola. But um, we've, we've become very accustomed to uh, Derek Thorne through Sal from the West Coast. That we, yes. you know, I, I wouldn't have had that opportunity anyway uh, without Sal keeping us updated now being able to watch some of these broadcasts. Yes, that's what I love about our fans racing crew. We've got Andy up in Maine. We've got you and and uh, Mike down in the south. We've got Sal over in California way. And uh, we've got uh, Sam's over in Ohio. Uh, Owen is in Virginia. Uh, and, uh, you know, we just have so much support. Uh, James Bickford is over in, in North Carolina. So we have so much support, uh, you know, from all over the country uh, to kind of keep us posted with what's going on in all those different nicks of the wood. Uh, moving on to the Arkham Menard series, uh, these guys are not racing this weekend, but they have a lot of racing still in the books uh, coming up. And it starts with 
uh, two different races, two different tracks, two different series on April the 23rd, uh, starting with noon central, that's 1 o'clock eastern, the General's Higher 200 at Talladega Super Speedway on uh, April the 23rd. That will be televised on Fox Sports 1, so I know, know a lot of people will be tuning in to see that. Well, I know Mike said he was getting excited uh, for the NASCAR weekend he coming up go. with the Arkham and Arts. Yeah, the Arkham Menard series uh going to be a part of that as well for that weekend. So that'll be great to see. I love seeing those guys. A lot of them, that's their first opportunity on a big track. It is. It is. Uh, but also on April 23rd, the Arca West will be racing at Kern County Raceway in the Kern County 150. Uh, and that will be available via live streaming on Flow Racing. So mark your calendars for that one. Right now, the plants are really, really tight. They've got two races in the book. Uh, this will be their third race. And uh, I think uh, things will start to shuffle a little bit on that series point standing. Yeah, most certainly, especially on the West Series. We, we've talked about that a couple of times. Seems to be uh, a little more parity, if you will. I know NASCAR likes to use that word. Um, the West Series has, for the last couple of years, been the tightest points battle we've seen. And right now, you mentioned two races in, uh, two different winners. Uh, one of them only having one race with Taylor Gray. But that puts Jake Drew at the top of the West Series points. Uh, but only has a two-point, four-point, and eight-point lead over your top four. And fifth place is only 12 points out. Mm-hmm. It's really tight. So with this third race, I think we'll see a little more shuffling in that series points standings. Uh, Jake Drew might be the guy to watch at that race. Uh, he, he really wanted that win and uh, didn't quite make it uh, in their last race out. So uh, he, he's hungry right now. The other, the other one I, I look at there when it comes to the West Series, I mentioned third place, four points out is Cole Moore. Uh, got one, one top five, one top ten so far on the year. Uh, can't remember what issue he had there in that first race at, uh, at Phoenix. But I think he's going to be another one that's going to be a tough title contender uh, right there with him. I mean, he may not have the points lead, but he's only four points back. You're going to have to keep an eye on him all year long. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, moving on to the East Series here, the General Tire 125 is actually going to take place April the 29th. Uh, that race is at 5.30 p.m. Eastern at Dover Motor Speedway and will be available uh, via live streaming at Flow Racing. So another race uh, to watch this month in the Arkansas race that uh, I think a lot of fans are going to enjoy. Sammy Smith won two races so far in that series. Yeah, I was going to say, if you take away your points leader, Sammy Smith, who has won both races so far, uh, from there on back, the points battle is tight. you got Taylor Gray in second, Leland Honeyman uh, in third, Willie Mullen, sorry, and then a Canadian in fifth place of Donald Thedage. Uh, I don't know if we got that name right when we talked about him uh, last week. Uh, Canadian driver in fifth point. So, and there I think we got nine drivers that have made both starts so far. So again, we may see a little bit of shuffling, but uh, I think they're going to have to really be on top of their game because Sammy Smith has just been on fire trying to defend last year's championship. 
Exactly, exactly. Uh, we didn't cover the points in the Arkham Menard series. Do you want to cover that real quick before we move on to the Suit Chief Showdown? All right. In the overall Arkham Menard series, again, we got two races in. Uh, this one, again, been a little bit of a mixture as they had the one combination event. But Daniel Dye sorted himself out on top with two top fives and has an 11-point lead over Raja Karuth. Now, we've mentioned drivers getting the opportunity to move up and to make some starts. Raja Karuth making some starts in the Xfinity Series this year, as well as third place, Parker Chase, uh, is 18 points back. And then you have Tony Berenger, uh, Breidinger, sorry, um, in fourth place, along with Nick Sanchez in fifth. All five of those drivers made both starts so far. And then it gets a little more sporadic as we've seen Corey Heim make a start, pick up a win, Taylor Gray as well, picking up the other victory. So as we get through the season here, though, you're going to see that shuffle out as you see the regulars that are making all the starts, um, picking up those victories. But even so, Daniel Dye and Raja Karuth, uh, top five finishes, putting them at the top of the board. Yeah, and let me just tell you, we've got uh, a couple of those drivers scheduled for the month of April uh, to include Nick Sanchez, uh, Raja Karuth, Amber Bum, uh, Greg Van Olsen, LeVar Scott uh, at some point throughout the month of April. So uh, definitely looking forward to talking with all of those drivers. Uh, some of our other guests that we've got on tap already, uh, Dylan Zampa, I know is, uh, we're looking to get him rescheduled for whatever reason he was not. We had him scheduled for Monday night. He didn't show, so something came up. Uh, but I know Sal is working on getting him rescheduled. Also, David Coley. Uh, who is the spotter for Derek Thorne. He's scheduled for uh, Monday night. And Charles Head, uh, for one of our Thursday night shows, who's a race announcer, is on our schedule for April. So uh, a lot of people already scheduled in our April calendar. And I really like you mentioned having, having different people being able to bring in different guests. And you see the different uh, – we've had the producer for – uh, flow racing that, that mentioned the spotter we've had crew members uh, the different variety of aspects we've been able to bring in this year um, from out, throughout the sport not just the drivers I, I know they always get the focal point and yep. they like to talk to drivers but to get that different aspect of racing overall when it comes to uh, the role that, that they have in the sport Absolutely. So uh, definitely looking forward uh, to chatting to all of those people uh, during this next month. Uh, we'll have some others that uh, we'll be announcing as, as they become confirmed. So uh, stay tuned on that regard. Okay. Did we go through the points here for the ARCA? Yeah. Series? For the ARCA Menard Series, I know you mentioned the Sioux Chief Showdown. They've had one event so far. Uh, the link on the homepage here still brings us to last year's uh, final standings, yeah. so they don't have a new standings up yet. They've only had one Sioux Chief Showdown event, so that's not a real big deal. But their second Sioux Chief Showdown event is going to come up at Iowa Speedway on June the 11th, the Iowa 150 at 8 p.m. Central at 9 p.m. Eastern. be televised on MAV. TV's Motorsport Network, so you'll want to uh, definitely mark your calendars for this one as well. It will be part of the Arkham Menard Series race at that location, 
but it is one of 10 races within the Arkham Knight series where drivers have an opportunity to chase down a championship in the Sioux Chief Showdown. And we have drivers from the east and the west and all over uh, the Arkham Menard series that are all uh, taking part in that 10-race showdown. And for fans that aren't as familiar with that, what that is is, is those 10 races Sharon mentioned within the Arkham Menard series is an opportunity for drivers that maybe can't compete full-time or aren't eligible yet for some of the bigger tracks. Mentioned Talladega. Uh, You've got to be 18 years old to drive uh, on Talladega. So they don't have that opportunity as of yet, whereas they can still run for the, within the, the main Arkham Menard series. If they don't run full-time, they hit these 10 races. They can still battle for that championship of the Sioux Chief Showdown. And I, I really like that. I think it's been, what, this is year three or four there, that they're going on now with this? Yeah, something like that. They've been doing it for quite a while. I know, I know in the past they called it the East-West Combo events, but they they picked up the sponsor of Sioux Chief and actually made it a 10-race championship. Yeah, that, that's been around for a long time. The East-West Combos were when the Arca East and the Arca West would combine and challenge each other for bragging rights over who won those races. Uh, that's a little bit different than the Sioux Chief Showdown. Both of them very exciting events. I know, uh, what was it, Elko got to used to hold one of them. Uh, You and I got to attend the one at uh, Iowa Speedway. You mentioned that for that Sioux Chief Showdown. Great facility there and a great place to have events like that. Exactly right. Now, if you go to orcaracing.com for a lot of these races, they also have radio coverage available there so that you can hear what's happening at the track. Uh, but they also have some great articles. Uh, Sal mentioned Parker Retzlaff earning his top 10 finish in the Xfinity Series at Richmond. Uh, they've got a great article about him on there. Uh, he's had, what, two starts in the, in the Xfinity Series, and both starts, he's uh, really impressed a lot of people. Uh, there's also an article about Ty Gibbs winning his Xfinity race at Richmond. Uh, they've got the fact that the... They've got some notes here about the, the General Tire 200 at Talladega Super Speedway, the photo gallery from previous ARCA races at Talladega, uh, the West Series uh, going to Kern County on April 23rd, and takeaways from Rat Tanner Rice's big win at Captain Irwindale Speedway a few weeks ago. We had Tanner on the show as well uh, before and after that race, and uh, it's really cool to see uh, ARCA uh, really focusing in on some of these folks. Most certainly. Uh, you can always get up to speed there, and uh, we'll do more of the preview there for the Talladega race here in the coming weeks as we approach it. You know, there's another here as well. Roger Caruth, uh making his Xfinity Series debut at Richmond for Alpha Prime. He's, uh, he's uh, coming up into the NASCAR Stop 3 as well. And uh, he's from Rev Racing. So uh, really some great articles here at ArcoRacing.com. Well, both of them you mentioned uh, getting their first few starts here in the, in the Xfinity Series. And they have definitely showed up and made their presence felt. And they're only going to mm-hmm. get better as they get uh, – I don't remember what Parker, I believe he had uh, six or seven starts as well as uh, Rajah Karuth. Uh, running uh, different schedules, 
the juggling he's doing when we talk to him about that. Um, but making the most out of these starts, because I think in a year or two, you're going to see them full time, either in the trucks or the Xfinity series. Exactly. When we talked to him on the show, I asked him if he's still in school, and he said no. He He's graduated, but he is really career right now. So uh, every race is a very important event for him, and he puts a lot of effort into it, obviously. Parker, by the way, is a very accomplished iRacer. So if, you're, if you've watched the iRacing in NASCAR, you've seen Parker Retzloff there, and uh, he has – tremendous success in the, in the iRacing uh, venue. And this year, he's also racing in the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola Series. So that, those are other places that you'll be able to see Parker Retzlop. Well, and we've talked a lot about that here. Uh, recently, we had uh, James Bickford, you mentioned, as one of the fans for racing mm-hmm. uh, crew members involved in that, as well as then Ryan Vargas. And Parker, all of them talking about that e-NASCAR now, um, one of them being there with uh, with Brad Keselowski's team. So uh, some big things coming from that, and that's where we're going to see some of our future stars come from. Exactly. I'll tell you what, that's part of the reason why it's so hard for us to get guests sometimes, uh, because they're all out i-racing and e-NASCAR racing. So it's kind of fun. Okay, we're going to move on now to the Truck Series race at Martinsville Speedway this Thursday. This is why we're doing the podcast instead of our live broadcast, because normally we do the live broadcast on Thursday night, but there's a Truck Series race on Thursday night at Martinsville, so uh, we wanted to uh, make sure we got a podcast in with our preview before that happens. Uh, They'll be racing at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday night, April the 7th at Martinsville, 200 laps. There'll be uh, three stages, 50 on lap 50, stage one ends, lap 100, uh, stage two ends, so 50 and then 100 laps for the third stage, and that will end on the last lap, 200. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 and uh, radio, on the radio at MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. So uh, there's, we've got the entry list uh, for this truck series. Uh, there are 39 drivers and teams for 36 spots. So some of them will be going home, three specifically. Uh, some of the people that uh, are notable in this race include Johnny Sauter driving the number 13. Uh, they don't have his first name here, but I saw it earlier, and I can't think of what it is now, but James. In the number 33, I know we'll mention that name later. Kate Garcia is going to be in that number 35 truck. Uh, in the number 43 car or truck is Blake Lothian. We had him on the show uh, a while back. I think it was last season. And Kyle Bush is going to be in the number 51 truck this year or this weekend. And in the number 90 will be Justin Carroll. So, uh just some notables that we'll mention right off the top there. Let me see if I can find Jane's first name. I'm Chase Jane was racing with uh, Rayum Brothers. And Haley Deegan's going to be in the truck this week, too. She's had some off-track drama kind of going on. Uh, but despite that, she is going to be in the truck this weekend out at uh, Martinsville. 
Jay, are you still with me? I guess he had to call back in. Hold on here. I wondered why you weren't chiming yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, no, I had uh, I got disconnected. So um, sorry you about mentioned, that. Mentioned Haley Deegan. Haley Deegan. Um, oh, I I did it myself. I, I bumped it when I when I was switching pages. But you, you mentioned Haley Deegan. I know we had this on our hot topics listed. We didn't have an opportunity to get to it, but. Uh, unfortunately, one of those kind of being in the spotlight as a celebrity or in the spotlight on social media, um, been having some issues there with uh, some followers. A really sad situation. I hope that the authorities are able to uh, help with that and work it out. But you mentioned Haley Deegan is going to be in the truck racing this weekend. Yes, indeed. Uh, there's also, uh, we might as well go down the list yet here. She's in the number one truck. Uh, Jesse Little uh, will be in that O2 truck for Young's Motorsports. Then you got a regular John Hunter Nemechek, and this one was on the front page at Jayski under the truck series as well. The number seven Aspire Motorsports is going to have HendrickCars.com uh, with William Byron. We mentioned him running some late model races. This weekend he's doing a little different, returning to the truck series in that number seven for Aspire Motorsports. Exactly, and that's kind of some late breaking news, if you will. Uh, so his name's not even on the entry list, but he's going to be there. Okay, also, Blaine Perkins will be in the number nine for CR7 Motorsports, uh, as will Spencer Boyd in the number 12 for Young Motorsports. Next down, we got the number 17. This is one I think we really got to watch as he's improved. The 17 of Taylor Gray, driving for Team DGR. With Chad Johnston you and his crew chief. There, and then, then, what oh, about the number 12, I'm, 13, 15, and 16? <laughs> sorry. Uh, you hit uh, Perkins and Spencer Boyd. I don't know, what, yes. what was the last one you left off with? Okay. Uh, you mentioned, okay, the 13. Okay, the 13 is Johnny Sauter for Thor Sport Racing, uh, part time with them and uh, picking up some other rides. Then we'll talk about the other Gray, Tanner Gray. He's in the number 15 uh, for DGR. Another one up and coming. Uh, not a regular in the truck series yet, but we're going to see him make some sporadic starts throughout the year. Tyler Ingram's in that number 16 for Hattori Racing Enterprises this week. And as uh, Jay was mentioning there, Taylor Gray in the number 17 for DGR Racing. Then we got the number 18 there is your KBM Motorsports Chandler Smith already making some noise this year. And Derek Krause in the number 19, McAnally Hilgeman uh, racing. Uh, I don't think we've seen him hit his peak yet. And once we do, I think you're going to see him at the top of the leaderboard more often. Jay, do you know who that uh, TBA is for the number 20 this week for McAnally Hilgeman racing? I do not know who is in the number 20 yet. I hadn't seen anything on an update on that one. Okay, that's a TBA. Uh, in the number 22 is Austin Wayne Self for uh, AM Racing. Uh, so he's the regular in the series. And then you got two regulars, GMS Racing. And the number 23 will be Grant Enfinger. In the number 24 will be rookie Jack Wood. And then we've got Matt DiBenedetto, Matty D, in the number 25 for Rackley War. And in the 30 will be Tate Ogleman for On Point Motorsports. And in his cell phone team, you got Brent Holmes in the number 32. 
And then as Sharon mentioned, Chase James in the number 33 uh, running for Reum Brothers Racing this weekend. We've mentioned this name a few times today, Jake Garcia in that number 35 for McAnally Hilgerman Racing, and Zane Smith having a great year so far in the number 38 for Front Row Motorsports. He most certainly is. There we got the number 40. That'll be Dean Thompson from Nice Motorsports. Teammate will be the number 42, kind of leading the way right now, Carson Hosovar, another one I think we're going to see when it comes championship time. Yes, indeed. Blake Lothian making his debut uh, with uh, Rayu Brothers in the number 43 this weekend, and Chris Wright driving the number 44 for Nice Motorsports. One more Nice Motorsports entry, uh, the number 45 will be Lawless Allen going for Rookie of the Year. And then KBM making, or Kyle Busch making one of his limited five starts for Kyle Busch Motorsports. He'll be in that number 51, JBL-sponsored machine. A regular uh, in the number 52, Stuart Friesen, uh, driving for his own race team this weekend. And in the number 56 is Timmy Hill for Hill Motorsports. So looking forward to seeing those guys on track. Chase Purdy, having made a jump over to Hattori Racing this year as they became a two-truck team. He'll be in the number 61. And returning full-time to the series, the number 66 Thor Sport Racing is Ty Majeski. Okay, Parker Kligerman is back this weekend from Henderson Motorsports in the number 75. And then veteran Matt Crafton in that number 88 Thor Sport Racing car or truck, I should say. And Sharon mentioned uh, Justin Carroll. He'll gonna, gonna get a start in the number 90 for the Terry Carroll own Motorsports own machine. And Colby Howard in that number 91, another of the McAnally Hilgeman racing machines. Christian Eckes uh, from Thorsport Racing, uh, racing alongside in the number 98, racing alongside his teammate Ben Rhodes in the number 99 from Thorsport Racing. To uh, G2G Racing, uh, I'm familiar with one of these names, Matt Jaskel. He'll be in the uh, 46, and the 47 will be Tim Vaines, uh, also running for G2, G2G Racing. Yeah, we, we, Tim Vaines has been um, uh, in the Arthur Menard Series for a few races, so uh, he's kind of making a move up here as well. So, uh Uh, A lot of drivers, like we said, 39 cars are competing for 36 spots in the Arkham Menard Series. So they will have qualifying uh, for these guys. And qualifying is going to take place. Well, they'll have a practice uh, from 3 to 3.30 on Thursday. uh, And then from 3.30 to 4.30 is the qualifying. And the trucks will be impounded. Uh, They're doing single vehicle, two laps for all entries for the qualifying for this particular uh, week, uh, or Thursday, I guess I should say. And then the race is actually at 8 p.m., starts at 8 p.m. on Thursday night. Uh, That's Eastern time. And uh, uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun on a Thursday night out there at Martinsville Speedway. Most certainly, and I know it's only been in recent years they've been able to do a full night race there at Martinsville um, with the lights they've installed, but you can't kick it off any better than with these truck series. Uh, We know what kind of action they provide, short track racing uh, on the paperclip there at Martinsville. 
I think you're going to see some exciting door-to-door, wheel-to-wheel. We'll see if there's any bump and run. Well, there, there just might be <laughs> a little bit of bumping and banging uh, going on at the racetrack uh, this weekend. Uh, we're, we're still in our short track section of, of the schedule. Uh, last week at Richmond, uh, the trucks were not there. Uh, they will be racing at Martinsville. And Martinsville is one of those tracks where uh, a lot of these guys that are moving up in the sports, uh, they like to do it at tracks like Martinsville because they're accustomed to racing on short tracks. But it also gives them a chance to practice um, live pit stops because normally they don't have live pit stops in the Eric Menard Series and some of the short track races. So uh, this is a great opportunity for them to get their feet wet at a track like Martinsville. You're right. We, we had several of our guests that, that mentioned that as Martinsville of one of those. Uh, I'm trying to think which one it was. If it was, uh, if it was Parker, I don't remember which one it was. Was talking about Dover. I was a little surprised of how much in t- they were anticipating Dover because, from what yes, I heard from, from even the cup level guys, that's a, that's a that's a kind of a the monster mile, if you will. So I. I was a little concerned that they, that they were excited, but I like that. They're, they're ready to take on that challenge. So uh, uh, we'll have to wait and see how they do in their debut there. Also noteworthy is uh, the NASCAR Hall of Fame announced this week that they have a new Martinsville Speedway 75th anniversary uh, exhibit. Martinsville is a track that has been in the NASCAR schedule since the beginning. So this is really a very big, they're doing the 75th anniversary exhibit for Martinsville Speedway here. It really is. And when you talk about the history, you're right. Martinsville is NASCAR, if you will, um, going going back to when they first started. So that's great to see. And we like to see that as far as we, we've talked about this. And I think Denny Hamlin might be one that mentioned it of the tracks needing to involve the fans, as well as the history in this case, but more of that at the track for the fan experience. Yes, uh, I 100% agree. And uh, somebody who, who loves the history of this sport, well, there's several people that do, but Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, is a real aficionado, if you will, when it comes to the history of this sport. And uh, I love to hear him talk about all the different racetracks, and, you know, even racetracks that they're not racing in, on anymore, he, he knows a lot of those stories and they go along with those tracks. And uh, the drivers in NASCAR's history that uh, have raced at some of those tracks. So it's really, really cool to hear Dale Jr. talk about the history of the sport. Yeah, I know. And I, off the top of my head, I can't think of the uh, the name of the show, but you're right. He does do a show on that of, of lost or closed racetracks that he's still doing the history on. Um, uh, a great episodes there that I've seen uh, a couple of them so far. And you're right. Uh, I know Dave Moody also does the legends in racing, the where are they now segments that we've seen and talked about different drivers to get that full aspect of where we came from, not just where we are now, where we're going in the future. We talk a lot about that, but also where we've been and where we came from. Exactly. Uh, They do have the drivers uh, divided up into two different groups uh, for the practice session. Uh, So 
uh, if you want to see that, it is available over at jskis.com. Uh, on the uh, truck series race page, uh, you can see uh, that qualifying order for those two different groups. Um, because they are doing it in groups now as far as qualifying. Uh, what are your thoughts about the new qualifying procedure, Jay? You know, I kind of like it. Uh, it, it. To me, it, it goes back to the roots of dirt track racing of what I see on a weekly basis when you go. Yeah, however they come in, you split them into two groups. I don't. I think NASCAR is doing it via the uh, metric formula that they've used. But so you get two groups, the fastest five out of each group, then get to come together for the pole and those top ten positions. I really like it. Uh, it kind of takes the place of the heat races. And I know they've experimented with that, especially at this level, though, of the, the cost and the uh, possibility of damage for heat races, a little more, more, how do I say it, uh, expensive or not worth the risk, if you will. So they kind of mm-hmm. still want to give that atmosphere, and this pole qualifying the way it is, I think, kind of provides that. It does. Now, there, if you look at the uh, 2022 practice and qualifying format, uh, they do make a note that it will be two-lap qualifying, though, this weekend, the traditional old way of qualifying at Martinsville, Bristol, Richmond, and Dover. So um, did, they, did they do the, the uh, new format? At Richmond, Jay, because I wasn't available. I didn't have to qualify at Richmond. Did yeah, you? I think I think how they have it broken up was the the short tracks. I know Dover was listed there as a one mile track, but that there I know uh, Brian Everly, one of our fans for racing, had some information up on that. That the bigger tracks they were only doing the one lap. I think California. They only did one lap, but yeah, for the short tracks here, they get two laps because it really takes. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Did I lose you, Jay? Say that I think again? I lost you. Oh, I thought I lost you. Oh, no, I'm still here. Are you there? Did I oh, cut out? Okay. Yeah, you did. <laughs> okay, Okay, sorry. so um, I think what you were saying is that that final round is going to be a two-lap. Uh, to run at Martinsville, Bristol, Richmond, and Dover, but they still divide them into Group A and Group B. For um, uh, I guess that's going to be double up as well for round one, and then the top I transfer to the final round to determine the top ten qualifying drivers, and they'll run two laps there as well. That's right, and and there's still some strategy. At- there is still some strategy uh, connected with it as well, because although you have those two options, especially in that first round, if you feel your one lap was good enough, you can come back in, save those tires a little bit. I know we talked; they talked about that at Richmond. A couple of the drivers still only did one lap, even though they had the opportunity to do two. Mm-hmm. So, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. If you if you know you've got a good lap, you don't have to go out for that. So that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, but I really enjoyed the qualifying format a lot more this year with the different rounds. I think it makes them more entertaining uh, and more interesting to watch versus just watching the drivers uh, go around for two laps, and that's it. Okay. Uh, let's well, and, move and, on to the 
Go ahead. I was going to say, I think ahead, NASCAR Jay. did a great job with it. Yeah, I think NASCAR did a great job with that of finding that balance. You know, we, we went away from qualifying altogether. There were a lot of fans that said they wanted to see it. But you also don't want to use up an entire day. Again, they're trying to help the cost of the teams, uh, tires, and everything else. So I think they found a great balance in how they've set the, this up this year. Yeah, with the 15-minute practice and then right into qualifying. That is, that is pretty cool. Uh, I think it is a great balance. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our Xfinity Series race. Uh, these are all night races, by the way. Uh, but Xfinity will be racing on Friday, April the 8th. Their race starts at, <clears throat> excuse me, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, total of 250 laps. First two stages are 60 laps each. The last stage is 130 laps. Uh, it will be televised on Fox Sports 1 and MRN Sirius XM radio. So uh, definitely uh, uh you want to tune in for that. There are 43 cars on the entry list for Friday's call. 811 before you did 250 for the Infinity Series race at Martinsville. Qualifying on Thursday, five drivers will miss the show. Uh, Dale Jr. is going to be in this race. It's his only start of the season. But some other notables that will be on track will be in the number 13, Chad Benson, Ryan Trex Jr. in the 18th. Derek Griffith will be racing that number 26 machine. Kyle Weatherman, number 34. And Shane Lee in that number 35 car. Parker Betzlaff will be back in the number 38. The number 44 for Howie DiSafino III. We've seen his name in the Arkham and Art Series. Ryan Ellis in the number 45. And Ronnie Bassett Jr., also from the Arkham Art Series, and a lot of short track racing in that number 77 car. So uh, some a lot of new names on track this weekend in Martinsville. Not all of them will make it into the main event, Jay. And there's, there's part of that, too. Right now we see that uh, both here in the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. Unfortunately, some drivers are going to go home. But that, too, kind of adds to that qualifying practice, qualifying session for the first round of which drivers even get to make the show. So true. Uh, Let's go ahead and go down the uh, entry list and mention all of the drivers. Uh, I'm going to start with Sam Mayer in the number one for junior motorsports and Brett Moffitt in the 02 for our motorsports. All right, hold on a second. Hit the next two. My link didn't work to the full lineup. Oh, okay. Then we've got Sheldon Creed. I believe he's in the number two car for RCR. And Bailey Curry in the number four for Junior Motorsports. I think that's the number four. (laughs) Yeah. All right, I'll get the next two here. As soon as my uh, mine loads, uh, yeah, they get the correct link now. All right, Mm -hmm. go ahead. Matt Mills in the number five for McLeod Motorsports, and Ryan Vargas in the number six for JD Motorsports. All right, you're going to have to keep going. This link is taking me to an old list. I got Kevin Harvick on here. <laughs> okay, we got Joe Craft Jr. in the 07 for Greenlight Racing with Jeff LaCourte, uh, and Justin Algar in the number seven for Junior Motorsports. 
Let me know when you're ready. Uh, Josh Perry, got, I can't really yeah, see. Going. I can't really see his car number here, assuming it's the number eight for Junior Motorsports. Uh, and Noah Gregson in the number nine for Junior Motorsports. We'll move on to number 10, Lance Castle for College Racing and his teammate in the number 11, Daniel Hemrick from College. We mentioned Chad Bencham being in that number 13 for uh, Motorsports Business Management. That's MBM Motorsports. And Justin Allgaier in the number 16 for College Racing. All right, and then you got uh, this week. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, Ryan Schrick's into the number 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing. We've seen that one be a rotation of drivers. And then Brandon Jones running full-time in the number 19, another JGR racing machine. Yeah, okay. And in the number 21, uh, Austin Hill back with Richard Childress Racing. And Anthony, Anthony Alfredo driving the number 23 this season for Motorsports. We mentioned some late model drivers getting some starts here. You see Derek Griffin, he'll be in the number 26 for Sam Hunt Racing, another one that's doing some rotating driving. And Jeb Burton, now full-time with our motorsports, in the number 27. In this week, or 23, I'm sorry, is Kyle Seed, uh, brother to Ryan Seed in RSS Racing. And in the number 31, Maya Snyder for Jordan Anderson Racing. You mentioned Kyle Weatherman getting another start in the number 34, Jesse Awuji Motorsports machine. I think they got him in there kind of trying to feel that uh, machine out and that team, see where they're at. Um, I don't know if there was some other reason Jesse Awuji wasn't able to be in the machine this weekend. But you also got Shane Lee. He'll be in the number 35 of Emerald and Gase, Gase Motorsports. Okay, and then you've got uh, in the number 36, Alex LeBay for DGM Racing. And Parker Retzlaff in that number 38 again for RSS Racing. When you mentioned him, RSS Racing uh, expanding a little bit, and Ryan Siegel will be in their number 39, as always. And then the first Alpha Prime Racing machine, that'll be Howie DeSavino III in the number 44. In that number 45 for this Alpha Prime Racing is Ryan Ellis. And then in the number 47 is Brennan Poole for Mike Harmon Racing. Big Machine Racing, uh, they partnered with RCR. They got Jade Buford in the number 48. And Jeremy Clements Racing in that number 51 driver, Jeremy Clements. Okay. Uh, and the number 52 is Harrison Rhodes for Means Motorsports. And Ty Gibbs in the 54 for Joe Gibbs Racing. J.J. Yaley driving the number 66, another one of the motorsports business management uh, Fords, as well as the 66, a branded-built motorsports machine, or 68, sorry, a branded-built motorsports driver will be Brandon Brown. Ronnie Bassett Jr. will be in the number 77 for their race team, and Josh Williams will be in the number 78 for B.J. McLeod Motorsports. And then you mentioned Junior Motorsports putting out the number 88 this week on the track. That'll be Dale Earnhardt Jr. himself. And the number 91, DGM Racing, going to be Mason Massey. Some of these guys have been making their names uh, known here as of week uh, lately, at least in qualifying and practice. 
Yes, indeed. I'll do these last three, Gay. Uh, in the number eight is Riley Herbst for Stuart Haas Racing. Stefan Parsons will be in the number 99 from BJ McLeod Motorsports. And David Starr is back, and he'll be driving the, uh, I can't really see that number. I think it's the number 100 for SS Greenlight Racing with Jeff LaCorte. So uh, that's going to be fun. Like we said, five drivers will not make the field, uh, but they will go through the uh, qualifying process that we described. And uh, by the way, uh, practice and qualifying, let me give you the details on that. Uh, They will have 30 to 6 on uh, Thursday, April the 7th. And from 6 to 7 will be the qualifying. Again, it's an impound race, uh, single vehicle, two laps, all entries. So uh, they'll they'll have the A group and B group, uh, but they will be racing two laps since this is a short track. So uh, all of that will take place on Thursday. And those two laps take about 30 seconds. Yes. I believe, believe uh, lap times run about 15 seconds, so you're talking 30 seconds for those two laps that they turn for prayer for qualifying. Uh, the race itself starts at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, so and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1 as well as MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So a lot going on uh, in the... Uh, the Infinity uh, Series. Do we have any other news that we should share here? We talked about Dale Jr. We talked about Ryan Truex. We talked about the Derek Smith. Oh, this is a Dash for Cash race. So there's four drivers that are eligible for Dash for Cash this week. Well, and you're right. And so far, I believe like the last four or five races – uh, going into last year as well, have been won by Junior Motorsports. And they have one driver eligible, driver of the number one, Sam Mayer, but he's going to be fighting for it, uh, Junior Motorsports all, his, all on his own, as you also got Ty Gibbs, A.J. Al- Almendinger, and I believe for the first time, Riley Herbst is eligible. Yes, uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, he did, Sam Mayer, by the way, won the $100,000 bonus at Richmond for the dash for cash. So uh, <laughs> he could make it 200000 if he wins again this week. Well, and I say he's trying to keep the junior motorsports streak, uh, a streak alive of winning those dash for cash. But I think it's going to be tough this weekend. Uh, Martinsville, you got A.J. Allmendinger. I know he's a road course expert, if you will. But the short track at Martinsville, the paperclip, kind of lends itself to that style of racing. And Ty Gibbs, I mean, he's tough to beat every week, no matter where you are. That is so true. Uh, so, you know, all of those guys want to earn that $100,000 bonus. Now, if they that $100,000 bonus, by the way, it doesn't all go to the driver. A lot of that is distributed through the organization. Uh, he will get some part of it, obviously. But uh, it, it is not always... Uh, uh, necessarily uh, all of that goes to the driver. I think a lot of people think that it is. Uh, Now, Richmond, uh, there were some post-race penalties 
for a couple of colleague racing crew chiefs. Uh, one was the number 16 of A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, they violated, they had lug nuts uh, not properly installed. So crew chief Bruce Slicker has been fined the $5,000 there. And also the number 10 of Landing Castle, another post racing section uh, for lug nuts not properly installed. Uh, and crew chief Jason Trincheri has been fined, again, $5,000. So just some information to be aware of uh, post Richmond and coming into uh, the race here at uh, Martinsville this weekend. Well, that's that's for for some fans that want to feel nostalgia even from last year. Uh, we do occasionally still have the uh, lug nut penalties uh, as the Xfinity Series and Truck Series um, still run the five lug nuts. Yes, and another thing for people to kind of be aware of, uh, we mentioned Dale Jr. is going to be in the race this weekend. He's also, uh, his foundation is auctioning off the race use steering wheel to raise money for food insecurity crisis. So uh, when Dale Jr. gets out of his uh, number 88 Hellman Chevrolet on Friday night at Martinsville Speedway, uh, he'll be doing much more than just steering a race car. He's helping those who experience food insecurity. So uh, watch for that auction. The wheel produced by Max Pappas, MPI, in Italy. It features two tempers, Viper Urban Orange Camouflage, and will be auctioned off following the event to raise the funds to battle food insecurity through the Dale Jr. Foundation. So uh, bidding of this unique item begins at Martinsville on race day. Uh, after the race, and will remain open through Monday, August the 11th, at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Did I get bumped off again? Okay, it was my turn to get uh, kind of knocked off there, but uh, basically watch for information about that uh, auctioning of Dale Jr.'s steering wheel to help support uh, food insecurity. Uh, Jay, I hope, uh, yeah, he called back in as well. Jay also dropped. So I don't know why we're getting kicked off like that, Jay, but uh, I also got kicked off. <laughs> I, I was going to say that one. That one wasn't me. I, I heard it go blank, and I realized that you uh, might not be on as well. Um, but fo- following up on that of, of Dale Earnhardt Jr., I know he races one race per year, and, and some fans. Well, I don't. I don't even know if I want to call them fans, but people want to say that you know he's doing it for the ego and this and that. This is why they do it. When you see drivers in the booth as well, that is actually for awareness to their foundations and what they're doing with their foundations. So there is a purpose for this. It is not just that they want to go out and cherry pick races or whatever. There's a cause behind it. And I think fans need to do a little more research and pay attention to that. Exactly. Uh, and, And they do so much beyond. There's so much that all of these drivers do off the track help support very worthy causes. Uh, Another note that I wanted to bring up, this involves Junior Motorsports as as well. Uh, They're still open 
to a move into the Cup Series. Uh, Kelly Earnhardt Miller, co-owner of Junior Motorsports, says the window is not closed for a potential shift to Cup. But she told NBC Sports, and we'll talk about this probably in our hot topics, uh, this week that the timing would need to be right. Uh, Junior Motorsports has looked at the Cup operation, but there have been several challenges uh, that have ranged from acquiring a charter if the team would need another uh, charger, uh, if the team would need another partner since owner Rick Hendrick would have to divest from the team because no person can have ownership in more than one cup team. Uh, so they would have to kind of part ways with Hendrick Motorsports if they do move up series and become their own uh, cup series team <clears throat> within the sport. Uh, could they have an affiliation? Uh, maybe, but not an ownership affiliation. Uh, they would have to own uh, the team outright if they move up in the cup. So uh, just some news there within the Xfinity Series as it relates to junior motorsports. Yeah, I know I had this one up. We didn't get to it the other night for hot topics. And as you mentioned, we'll talk a little bit more in depth about it. Um, the one thing I want to say, though, is where there's smoke, there's fire. There's been a lot more talk about Junior Motorsports and the Cup Series here as of late. So I think there's something there. There's something afoot. We just have to wait for the news to come out and, and whether or not they can overcome some of the challenges uh, that come with making that transition into the Cup Series. I hope they don't give up on the uh, Xfinity Series organization, though, because I think Junior Motorsports has been a great addition to this Xfinity Series, and uh, it would be a shame if they uh, abandoned the Xfinity Series uh, entries. You know, that that isn't even something that I'd really thought about as far as that, if they do go cup, uh, where that leaves their Xfinity Series program. We can compare that to... Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing and Penske Racing when we get into that hot topic later. That's uh, almost a second aspect to it. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, and, and College did it. Uh, they've got entries in the Xfinity Series. They also have some Cup Series entries. So they may follow that same uh, model, if you will, uh, for making that transition into the Cup Series, and I, and I hope that they do. Yeah, most certainly. I mean, because they've been a championship contending organization, uh, one of many of four teams um, year in and year out. So we would hate to see lose that. I don't want to get too in-depth here because my head's spinning now uh, as you put that thought in my head. <laughs> uh, we'll get to it here when we get to hot topics, though, I promise. That's a good point. That's a good point. We will be uh, getting into the hot topics starting at uh, 12 o'clock Eastern time. And uh, let's go ahead and move on now, though to our Cup Series preview of the Richmond race. Uh, they are racing at uh, Martinsville Speedway on Saturday night. The Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400 uh, will take place at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 and uh, uh, MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So uh, definitely uh, uh, Saturday night under the lights is always uh, a lot of fun. Now, the entry list uh, for the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 400 at Martinsville is posted. They have 36 teams and drivers for 40 spots, so nobody's going to get left out. 
Uh, some of the drivers entered this week include the number 15 of J.J. Yaley, the number 16 of A.J. Allmendinger. Josh Baluki will be in that number 77. Uh, so since there's 36 entries, nobody's going to miss the race. So that's, that's good news, Jay. It is uh, one one comment there. I know this had to be a tough decision. I don't know how they made this decision of which which drivers were starting which. You mentioned Colleg Racing. I, I said AJ Allmendinger when it comes to these short tracks kind of plays into road coursing background, but they've also used Noah Gregson a couple of times this year, and he's got yes. a pretty good history at Martinsville. <laughs> but now keep in mind, Noah Gregson uh, has been racing with Beard Motorsports, and I forget the other team he raced for. He's not necessarily racing for uh, uh, colleague racing. He's been racing uh, some other affiliated teams, if you will. I just know a couple of them were, were going to be for colleague racing. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think he ran for uh, Gone Motorsports uh, at Daytona. And you're right, there was one other one that he started with. Uh, I don't know if he has any other starts scheduled for this year uh, with them. But I know he's got a couple with colleague racing. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think there will be a, a very select few. But let's go ahead and cover the uh, uh, entry list here for the uh, Cup Series. I think most people are familiar, but some drivers have kind of moved around. So uh, it's kind of uh, interesting to kind of revisit who's in which car this year. Ross Chastain is driving the number one for track house racing this season. And Austin Cedric in his familiar number two for Team Penske, uh, last year driven by Brad Keselowski. Then you got the famous number three, Richard Childress Racing. Austin Dillon will be behind the wheel of that one. And number four, Stuart Haas Racing, the closer, Kevin Harvick. Sports, another uh, driver uh, that's been kind of quiet the last couple of races, Kyle Larson. Uh, I think we might hear from him this weekend. And in the number six uh, this year is Brad Keselowski for RFK Racing. Then we got the number seven of Spire Motorsports, Corey LaJoy. He's been having a pretty solid season to start so far. And Tyler Reddick, Richard Childress Racing, number eight. Uh, one of the ones we think going to be the next first-time winners. Yes, indeed. Chase Elliott will be in that number nine for Hendrick Motorsports this weekend, and Eric Almarola in his familiar number 10 for Stuart Haas Racing. Then as we hit the short tracks, uh, one familiar name popped up uh, coming off a of victory at Richmond. You got the number 11, Joe Gibbs Racing Machine of Denny Hamlin, and your points leader, I believe he's tied with Chase Elliott, but gets the advantage of best finish the number 12 Penske machine of Ryan Blaney. Driving the number 14 for Stuart Haas Racing is Kate Briscoe. And uh, in that 15, as we mentioned earlier, is J.J. Yaley racing with Rick Ware racing this weekend. Then we got A.J. Allmendinger, as we mentioned, in the colleague racing number 16. And the other RFK machine is the 17 of Chris Busher. Another one I don't think we've hit full, seen hit full stride yet for this season. Yep, we've got a lot to look forward to there. Kyle Busch in the number 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing and his teammate in the number 19, Martin Truex Jr., also at Joe Gibbs Racing. And right there is the fourth JGR machine. That's the number 20 of Christopher Bell. And then the number 21, Wood Brothers Racing, Harrison Burton. 
In the number 22, Team Penske machine is Joey Logano. And driving the number 23 is Bubba Wallace for 23-11 racing. When it comes to Martinsville, Hendrick Motorsports, always at the top of the list for competition. You got the 24 of William Byron. And then the uh, main primary car for Colleg Racing, the number 31, Justin Haley. And the number 34 is Michael McDowell for Home Motorsports. And his teammate in the number 38 at Front Row Motorsports is Todd Gilliland. Final uh, Stuart Haas racing entry. There you got the number 41 at Cole Custer. And one half of the Petty GMS uh, Motorsports, you got the 42 of Ty Dillon. Yes, indeed. The other half of that uh, Petty GMS Motorsports is the number 42, I'm sorry, 43, with Eric Jones. And in the 45 for 23-11 racing is Kurt Busch. He's had a rough go at the start of this season. I hope he has a good run at uh, Martinsville, good track for him, so that certainly could happen this weekend. There we got the single car now, JTG Daughtery Racing, going to a single car team this year with the 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And the number 48 of the showman, Alex Bowman, for Hendrick Motorsports. Another Rick Ware racing entry for Cody Ware behind the wheel of the number 51. And in the 77, as we mentioned earlier, is Jasper Wiki for Spire motorsports and bj mcleod uh, driving here in the cup series he'll be in that number 78 for live fast motorsports and the second track house racing started with a track house racing we're ending with it the number 99 of daniel suarez okay so all 36 cars should make it into the show uh, and there won't be anybody in fact there won't be anyone who won't make it it's just figuring out who races where and um the, let me tell you about the practice practice will take place friday april the 8th at 4 30 to 5 p.m uh for groups a and b and then at 505 until 6 30 qualifying again it's an impound race with group a and b uh uh single vehicle two laps in two rounds so uh, that should be a lot of fun to watch on friday afternoon um before they race on Saturday night. Most certainly, and I think that's going to tell you something. I know we talked about this of last year. We went through the no qualifying. They got a little, or no practice, sorry, no practice, no qualifying. Uh, this year they got a little bit, but that 15-minute session isn't a whole lot. Uh, a lot of teams saying they're kind of still in the same boat as last year, though. You need to show up with, uh, with your car on point because there isn't a whole lot of adjustments and even less time to kind of make any adjustments. So you've got to be on top of your game when it comes to these practice and qualifying sessions. That is so true. They get just that 15 minutes of practice. So I got to be pretty well tuned in uh, when they get to the track and just kind of shaking off the cobwebs, if you will, during that 15-minute practice. Um, I'm trying to see here now. Uh, this is the eighth race of 36 races this season. Uh, Martinsville Speedway is a 0.526-mile uh, track. They have banking in turns one and two at 12 degrees, while three and four are at 12 degrees as well. So a fairly flat track. Uh, banking on the front stretch and back stretch are at zero degrees. Uh, the length 
stretch are about 800 feet. The race length, 400 laps, 200.4 miles. Uh, stage one and two are 130 laps each, and the final stage will be 240 laps. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, track qualifying record is held by Joey Logano in the Ford, 100.201 miles per hour, 18.89 seconds, and that was done on March 26th of 2014. So uh, I if anybody's going to break that record this weekend. Well, uh, with this new car, I don't know if we've seen quite the top speed out of it that we have in the past. Um, but as these teams, and, and we're getting, you mentioned race number eight, we've been to all sorts of tracks already, the road course, the super speedway, and, and some of the uh, in-betweens. Uh, as these teams figure out these cars and what they need from them, uh, I want to say it was Kevin Harvick's team, Rodney Childers, talked about stuff they were applying now getting to apply after they came back from Phoenix in the West Coast Swing. What they learned out there are starting to come in to this new car that they can apply now. So I think we're going to see some some shifting, changing of the guard. There's a couple storylines with that, but changing of the guard with who's got the the right adjustments made to get, to go into these cars. Exactly right. A little bit at Richmond with uh, more of the veterans being up at the front. Uh, where well, we've seen a lot of newer drivers be at the front in the previous races. Uh, Richmond, we finally saw some of the veterans prevailing. Uh, and speaking of that, Kurt Busch leads the NASCAR Cup Series and starts among active drivers at Martinsville with 43. Uh, Kevin Harvick is just behind him at 41 starts. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Both have an advantage with that many starts at the track. But you're right, with a new car, it's hard to say that it is an advantage. Well, in Martinsville, I know we talk about, talked a little bit earlier about that of, of the newer drivers. It's a short track. They're accustomed to the short tracks um, getting starts there. But Martinsville has a tendency to lend itself, not necessarily to veterans, but at least somebody that has figured it out. And it takes some experience to figure that track out. So I think we're going to see some of those names you mentioned. Uh, Denny Hamlin getting the victory at Richmond. Martin Truex was up there battling, as well as Kevin Harvick, uh, the closer, closing in in those final laps, uh, looking to take a swipe at Denny Hamlin, as he said, if he got the opportunity. I think we're going to see a little more of that here at Martinsville this weekend. Yes, indeed. Well, there's two drivers, two activists, uh, that made their very first NASCAR Cup Series career start at Martinsville, and we talked about why that happened uh, for a lot of drivers. But Chase Elliott made his first start in the Cup Series on March 29, 2015 at Martinsville. And Michael McDowell, on March 30th of 2008, made his Cup Series debut at Martinsville. Well, and the most recent driver to have made their Series debut at Martinsville was Kyle Weatherman, and that was on October 29th of 2017. So there are some benefits to it. Uh, but I think they're going to learn by following the veterans. Because like I said, this track, they say it really takes that niche to find the groove there at Martinsville. And there's not much of a groove, as you mentioned, it's a flat track. So finding that groove is extremely <laughs> difficult. And that's what, that explains why there's so much bumping and banging. Now, Joey Logano, who has 24 starts, leads all active drivers in the Cup Series in average starting position at Martinsville. Uh, his average there is pretty impressive. 
in 24 steps. That's, that's impressive, Jay. Uh, most certainly. I know uh, for, for starting position, you know, you're, you're on your own lap. Uh, the finishing position would be a little bit different to look at, but you're right. That is a pretty good, uh, solid starting position. And Joey is one of those. I mentioned, seems to have figured out Martinsville. Uh, he may not be winning every race like we've seen some in the past, but he's been contending and been in there bumping and banging his way to the front. Okay. Let's talk about poles. In total, there's been 61 different drivers who've won poles at, uh, in the Cup Series at Martinsville. 28 of the 61 drivers uh, have multiple poles, and six of the Cup Series drivers that are active this weekend include Joey Logano, who has five poles there, Denny Hamlin with four, Kurt Busch with two, I'm sorry, Kyle Busch with two, and Kurt Busch and Martin Truex Jr. each have one pole at Martinsville. So those might be drivers to think about for fantasy this week. Most certainly. And as we've been talking about, the, the, the young guys had, had won several, uh, five or six of the first races. Now Denny Hamlin taken over with the, the older group, if you will, the veterans. And you see that list right there. Uh, I believe Kyle Busch is going to be the youngest of that group um, to have the pole. But those are also, if you look at finishes, some of your top contenders for finishes as well. So, yeah, you most certainly want to look at that group there when you're picking your fantasy for uh, who's going to win it. True. Joey Logano leads the series, as we mentioned, with five poles at Martinsville. Uh, he did that in 2015 with the sweep. Uh, and then in the spring of 16, the fall of 17, and, and again in the spring of 19, so uh, a total of 13 different drivers have won two or more consecutive poles at Martinsville. The most recent, again, was Joey Logano, who won three consecutive poles at Martinsville between 2015 and 16. So some, some more interesting stats there. Well, and there's a, there's a short list here of five drivers who have won three or more consecutive poles at Martinsville. Uh, Glenn Wood from the fall of 1959 and then a 60 sweep. Daryl Waltrip, 79 sweep in the spring of 1980. Mark Martin, uh, fall of 1990 and a 91 sweep. Jeff Gordon, 03 sweep in the spring of 04. And Joey Logano, his name keeps popping up, the 2015 <laughs> sweep and the 2016 spring race. Youngest winner. At Martinsville, Ricky Wright, April 26th of 81. He was just 24 years, 7 months, and 14 days. And the oldest pole winner, Morgan Shepard, uh, some of us have been around for a while, we recognize that name, April 26th of 87, 45 years, 6 months, and 14 days. Amazing. We'll see if that youngest pole winner holds up. Uh, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have known it was that. Uh, Ricky Rudd at age 24. That's one that could be broken this weekend. Oh, I think so. I think so. Let's move on to the wins at Martinsville. There's been 55 different Cup Series drivers that have won at Martinsville. 27 of the 55 have multiple ones, wins, and nine of the 54 uh, winners are active this weekend, uh, including Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, and Kevin Harvick. Now, Denny Hamlin tops that list. He has five wins, 2015, 
the 2010 sweep, 2009 and 2008. Martin Truex has three in 21, 20, and 19. He's the most recent winner at Martinsville. Uh, one of the most recent, I should say. Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, and Kurt Busch all have two there. Uh, Keselowski at 19 and 17, Kyle Busch in 17 and 16, and Kurt Busch in 14 and 02. These drivers all have one win there. Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Jordan Logano, and Kevin Harvick. Alex Bowman in 21, Chase Elliott in 20, Joy Logano in 18, and Kevin Harvick in 2011. Uh, some interesting stats there for your fantasy picks. Yeah, you see that list. I mean, it's a pretty solid list. Uh, it seems like the Hendrick Motorsports dominance has kind of switched over to uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, especially with Martin Truex. But we saw Alex Bowman got it last year, but he was involved in a little bump in there post-race with Denny Hamlin. So, we know both of those are going to be on their game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know it's a new car, but these guys know their short track racing. Uh, Denny Hamlin won just last week. So uh, only one of the 21 Cup Series wins at Martinsville come from the first starting position or from the pole. And Denny Hamlin did that from the pole in 2010. So that doesn't happen very often. Could it happen this weekend? You know, that's a, that's a tough one. Like I said, uh, you know, running out there by yourself for a qualifying lap for, uh, for the pole is a whole lot different than having 36 other cars out there uh, with you on that short track uh, as you're trying to finish it off to win the race. Exactly. Okay. The deepest in the field that a NASCAR Cup Series Martinsville race winner has started is 36. And Kurt Busch did that in the fall of 2002. Can you imagine starting 36th and finishing first at Martinsville? That would be a tough thing to do. Uh, most certainly. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, especially as we talk about the parity of, of this new car and what that's brought to the uh, Cup Series this year. And what we've seen, we're already, again, this year talking about it, seven races, seven different winners. Do we see a repeat winner this weekend? You know, Denny Hamlin's name keeps popping up. Well, we mentioned that Martin Truex is uh, one of the more recent winners. Do you know he competed at Martinsville 28 times before he finally got a win in 2019? That's the longest span of any of the nine active Cup Series winners this weekend. Uh, Four active winners have made 10 or more attempts before their first win at Martinsville, including Truex, uh, 28, Kyle Busch with 21, Cameron Harvick with 19 starts, and Brad Keselowski, 14 starts before getting that first win. But Eric Almarola leads all active drivers in Cup Series starts without a win at Martinsville with 26 starts. Could he break that trend this weekend? Well, and, and there's where it leads to, like I said, it, it takes you that time uh, unless you hit on it uh, super early. I know Chase Elliott was one of them, but he comes from the Hendrick Motorsports. And, and talking about that, in total, it's been 39 different car owners that have won at Martinsville. So it's not just driver. It's also what organization you come into and what they bring to the table to provide you as a driver then 
uh, getting that combination right with the with the car, the setup, and then your own personal driver feel to it and figuring it out. Yes, indeed. Hendrick Motorsports leads that list of 20 some wins. Um, Patty Enterprises with 19, Junior Johnson and Associates with 12, along with Joe Gibbs racing, and Team Pinsky with nine. So uh, pretty pretty interesting uh, stats there uh, to keep in mind as we go into Martinsville Speedway this weekend. Uh, we're coming up to the top of the hour, Jay, and it's uh, just about time for us to start our last uh, hot topic uh, discussion. In fact, it's 11 o'clock uh, noon right now. All right, so that means somewhere it's lunchtime, right? <laughs> exactly. We're going to delay our lunch for a little bit here uh, while we talk uh, about right. some hot topics. But I'll let you bring the first hot topic since it's just going to be the two of us. All right. I, I didn't know if you had heard back yet from Andy or not. I know uh, he was uh, one you were checking on to see if it was available. Uh, hopefully, maybe he'll yeah. be able to join us. If not, oh, you nope, did hear no, back from him? I haven't heard back from anybody. Okay. Um, what, let's start with, we kind of were, really, I think both kind of wanted to talk about it. Junior Motorsports, I know they talked about it over the past uh, two years, maybe three, um, moving to the Cup Series. I know last year a lot of it revolved around, you mentioned the charter and the cost of the charter to move to the Cup Series. But we've seen several stories come out here in the last two weeks. You mentioned the one, Mr. Hendrick, uh, Hendrick Motorsports would have to back out of ownership of Junior Motorsports, as well as then still being able to get the charter, which we've seen this year, some different avenues that were taken to get that charter. Yeah, you know, it's been perfect in a lot of ways. Uh, Rick Hendrick's been a perfect business partner a perfect mentor and a perfect investor. But Kelly Earnhardt uh, uh, Miller said earlier this week uh, that they could be filing for a divorce, uh, and they're at peace with that. Uh, I think it's an amicable divorce, if you will. <laughs> but uh, uh, they, they, they understand they're going to have to part ways with Rick Hendrick uh, as far as uh, being actively involved with their organization. Uh, uh, if they move up to the Cup Series. And that's going to be a big one. And it, it, it brings up an intriguing question, as you led to, of then what happens with their Xfinity Series team? If it's an organization as a whole and they move up, I understand Hendrick can't be involved at the Cup level, but can they still be in the, in, in, in the Xfinity Series level? Um, so that would be a, I guess, a question NASCAR would have to define the line of between the two. Um, but I would like to see Junior Motorsports jump up. I know here with the new car, they said that that timing was right. Uh, unfortunately, last year, the price of charters uh, went up. Uh, we'll have to see now. And I know I don't know if Mike had any comments on this. Um, we've seen several of the other teams that have kind of cut back, Spire Motorsports, uh, McLeod, BJ McLeod with uh, Live, Live Fast Motorsports, um, trying to hold on to those for maybe too high a price. We'll have to see if something can be worked out. And I think here in a year or two, uh, I really think Junior wants to move up, you know, and I know Denny Hamlin talked about it. We saw two of the organizations that had to outright buy a full team. Uh, Colleg Racing bought out um, 
two of the charters. They were only looking for net one, but they ended up with two, so they're running one part-time. And then Trackhouse Racing, who bought out Ganassi as a whole as an organization in order to get those two charters. I don't know that Junior Motorsports is in that position to do that, so I think they're going to have to come with, come to terms with one of these teams um, to sell one off at a fairly reasonable price. Because I know Junior Motor, Junior Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, said that you know to make a $10 million investment into just the charter kind of puts them in a hole as far as the organization. That's true. But Dan, we're talking Dale Earnhardt Jr. here, who is co-owner of Junior Motorsports. And he's got a great personality uh, that I think would really attract some interesting partners uh, and big money partners into the sport. So, you know, we've seen uh, some big names come into the sport. Uh, when you think about Michael Jordan uh, teaming up uh, with the 23XI or 2311 racing with Denny Hamlin. And there's been some rumors that Denny might be retiring, by the way. Um, but, Dale Earnhardt Jr. could come up with a partnership, I think, equivalent to that with a big name uh, and bring that partner into the sport uh, for that junior motorsports team. Uh, With the personality that he has, the name recognition that he has, uh, I think there could be some really interesting partnership potential out there. Did I lose you again? I did. <laughs> I got you back in. Yep. Um, you're you're right. If if Mr. Hendrick, uh, or we know if they move to the cup level, at least at the cup level. Um, now, the one thing I saw, though, with what Kelly, Kelly uh, said, was that she said she wanted it to be separate where they had complete control. So it would be interesting yeah. if they do need to find another partner of that, you know, 49% or, you know, minority, whatever percentage that is, that her and Dale Jr. still have the controlling interest, um, you know, and I'm sure they'd be willing to talk about it, but I think she was kind of stressing, though, that when it comes to if they move to the cup level, they want to be fully behind it and in control of it in the direction it goes. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I do think that you could see but- a, a junior partner with somebody, though, you mentioned several good ones that we've seen come in. Well, keep in mind, her, her, and I'm going to read it here word for word. She said, in the perfect world, we would either be majority owner or not have a partner. But you know, the world's not perfect. So that's in a perfect world. They want to have complete say with what happens within that organization. Uh, but I think they definitely want to be the majority owner. And, and I think with with Rick Hendrick, I think you, you see that if you know it is junior motorsports, Hendrick does have some involvement, and you mentioned of just being a guidance and a, and a mentor. Um, that yes. I, I, I don't know how much day to day operations he has input in that. Um, it's just the investment, and, and then we go get into that of what happens if they do move to the cup level. If we want to kind of transition to that, what happens to their Xfinity organization? And you mentioned Colleg Racing. They're still doing both as they start out in the cup. But we've also seen some top uh, organizations, such as Penske, they're going to make very limited starts, if any, and Joe Gibbs Racing haven't cut back on theirs. 
So it would be kind of interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I agree with you. It is going to be interesting to see how that goes for them. It's not an easy transition, uh, primarily for the reason that you just mentioned. It costs a gazillion dollars. $11 million is a lot of money. Um, and so making that transition is not an easy proposition. Uh, I, You know, track house racing did an amazing thing by buying out Chip Ganassi Racing uh, in order to get their uh, what they needed uh, to start their organization or, or to jumpstart their organization, if you will, uh, and go to a two-car or two-car team. So, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, but I think Kelly is, and Dale Jr., they're out-of-the-box thinkers. So I don't think – I think they're going to come up with a good plan before they make that move. Well, and one of the interesting things, and I know there's a, a very few um, single-car teams there anymore, but we could see what we've seen with GMS Petty Enterprises. you got two organizations, each yes. with one, coming together to make a partnership, but you might see it of, and the only one I can think of off the top of my head that I'll use as an example, JTG uh, Daughtery Racing. So if you partner with them, you each have a charter, not to say you would run two separate teams out of one shop, but kind of have junior motorsports over one, one car and JTG over the other one, still compare notes, kind of like a, in between an alliance and a, and a partnership, uh, kind of in the middle, like you, you said, they'll, they'll figure out a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, I have confidence that these guys are very influential within the sport. And I, Kelly has, amazing negotiation skills and junior has the personality i mean they're the perfect couple uh if you will uh to be in the team because uh dale jr just has an amazing personality that i think will attract a lot of people and then when kelly sits down at the table and puts this deal together uh i think she's going to be a mastermind at uh, putting some kind of a deal together uh for that organization uh, people want to be associated with Dale Earnhardt Jr. And uh, that is so evident in all the different business ventures that him and his wife have put together uh, and things that they do uh, as, a, as a team. Uh, it, it, it really is going to be interesting to see how this uh, progresses. But I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I, I just get that feeling, don't you? Yeah, like I said, uh, you know, it's been talked about for a couple years. I think it was kind of close uh, even last year when when they were looking at charters. Um, the fact that we're seeing more information come out about how they'd like to go about it. Or... Uh-oh. I may have lost Jay here again. Let me go back and look. Yep, Jay's call dropped again. <laughs> uh, hopefully he's going to be calling right back in, and we'll bring him into the queue here as soon as he comes. He may not even realize he's off yet. Um, oh, there he is. Okay, we're going to bring him back into the queue. I wasn't sure if you even realized you had dropped again. <laughs> yeah, that time it actually beeped at me when it did it. Uh, lunchtime must be a busy time for the uh, the network here, I guess. Um, yes. What What I was saying though is, you know, that there just seems to be more talk again here as a recent that they're looking at it and maybe exploring some options. And the one thing also I wanted to hit before we switch to another topic. 
Um, what happened to their Xfinity Series team? I'd hate to see it go away. As I mentioned, they got four teams uh, full-time, very competitive as far as battling for championships. And that's kind of Hendrick Motorsports' developmental side of it, if you will. But as, you know, Sharon, you know, I'm, I'm generally with you try to look at positive things that could open up the window in the Xfinity Series for some of these teams that have been growing and trying to work their way in to that top tier uh, that might open the door for them. And we see some stronger Xfinity teams capitalize on that, you know, as, as the top dog leaves that they, they get to move up. So uh, it's not all negative. That is so true. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to this next topic. Now I just have a question though. First, Jay, uh, one of the topics here is the Joe Gibbs racing change in the way that the pit crew does the pit stop. Do, do you think we covered that on Monday or do we need to kind of get into more detail here? No, I think we covered it on Monday and I think we're going to cover it again some more down the road as more teams start doing it. And as I mentioned Monday night, one of the broadcasters on TV, when we get to fuel mileage races, I think there could be a key element there with the gas man not having to uh, disengage. So I think we're going to come back to that one. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, I've got that one down as covered then. Okay. Let's go ahead and go to this one then. Uh, NASCAR did announce this week their NASCAR Hall of Fame class for 2023 in the landmark award. Um, Matt Kenseth, the 2003 Cup Series champion, Tim Brewer, two-time Cup Series champion, crew chief, uh, joined the modern, modern era ballot for the first time. And then A.J. Foyt, seven-time Cup winner, is added to the Pioneer ballot, along with Sam R., who is a nominee for the class of 2020. Uh, this is the second nomination class under the redesigned format. Uh, ten nominees appear on this modern era ballot on the Pioneer ballot designed to honor those whose careers began more than 60 years ago. So uh, two modern era candidates and one modern pioneer candidate will be elected to the class of 2023. Um, So let me go ahead and give Mike's comments on this, and then we'll go to you, Jay. Uh, Mike uh, said, I think A.J. Foyt, Sam Ard as well, the big question mark is Kenseth. Sure, he won the championship in three dozen races, but did he really leave a mark on the sport? He's a nice guy, had a better than average successful career in the Cup Series, but I don't know if that should be Hall of Fame material in and of itself. So uh, I wanted to give his comments first because that has been uh, some of the conversation that we've kind of heard on social media. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, you left off part of that as he went to post it, and somebody beat him to it, as Sharon, you had already posted it. I just wanted to throw that out there that he got beat uh, there, too. Now, um, there's there's one I agree, or two, actually, I kind of agree with him. One, I don't. The question of Kenseth, uh, great driver, great person, but – statistically as far as what he accomplished in the sport as well as then any other contribution. Um, I don't think he does check the box as far as Hall of Fame. Yes, he won the uh, Daytona 500. Yes, he was a champion. Um, But those are two one-time things. Uh, 
it's a tough call. I, and I, I know Dave Moody talks about this, of the, the toughness it is to be on the, on the voting um, panel and be a part of that to make those choices. I do think there are others that have accomplished more. And with that, then, he said A.J. Foyt would be a good choice. Now, there, when it comes to NASCAR, what contribution did A.J. Foyt make to NASCAR? He, again, got some Daytona 500 wins, um, a heck of a driver. And as far as motorsports, he's at the top of the list. But when it comes to specifically NASCAR, I don't know that he would. I know he did a little bit, dabbled a little bit in ownership uh, with Foyt Racing back, uh, I guess it's been five to ten years, the number 14 at that time. Um, Foyt racing so I don't know if he would as far as the NASCAR Hall of Fame specifically the one I do do fully agree with uh, is Sam Art Uh, I mean he carried the sport what was then the Bush series uh, I believe it might even Bush Grand National I think at that time Sam Art was the driver Uh, you look at through the the record books so many of the records that are listed involve or that Art is the one that they're trying to top so I do believe that he is one that is very should be considered, and I think is one that maybe should have gone in already. I know the format they've changed now, where it's as you said, the pioneer. They split one for the pioneer and two for the modern era. Uh, I don't think he'll be on that list very long, and he will be the one to get elected as far as the pioneer. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's three different uh, uh, sections here: the modern era balance. Uh, and uh, Matt Kenseth to that list. Uh, and I think that's where some of this kind of uh, gets uh, muddied, if you will. The modern era ballot includes drivers like Neil Bonnet, who won 18 times in the Cup Series, including the Coca-Cola 600 victories, Tim Brewer, a two-time Cup Series championship crew chief, Jeff Burton, who won 20 and one times in the NASCAR Cup Series, including the Southern 500 and two Coca-Cola 600s. Carl Edwards, winner of 28 Cup Series races and 2007 Xfinity champion. Harry Gant, winner of 18 Cup Series races, including two Southern 500 victories. Harry Hyde, 1970 Cup Series championship crew chief. Matt Kenseth, 2003 Cup Series champion and winner of 39 Cup Series races. Larry Phillips, first five-time NASCAR Weekly Series national champion. Ricky Rudd won 23 times in the Cup Series, including uh, the 1997 Brickyard 400. And Kirk Schelmerdine, a four-time Cup Series championship crew chief. The Pioneer ballot is a separate ballot. And that includes Sam Art, the Xfinity Series year and two-time champion. A.J. Foyt, who won seven Cup Series races, including the 72 Daytona 500. Banjo Matthews built cars that won more than 250 Cup Series races and three championships. Herschel McGriff, the 1986 NASCAR West Series champion. And Ralph Moody, two-time NASCAR Cup Series owner champion as mechanical genius of Holman Moody Racing. Then there's the Landmark Award. That includes uh, drivers like Janet Guthrie, the first female to compete in the NASCAR Cup Series Super Speedway race. Alvin Hawkins, the NASCAR's first flagman, was NASCAR racing at Bowman Gray Stadium, and Bill France Sr. 
uh, Mike Kelton, <clears throat> named third president of NASCAR in 2000. His career included track operator roles at Atlanta Motor Speedway and Talladega Super Speedway. Excuse me. Lisa France Kennedy, NASCAR executive vice chair and one of the most influential women in sports, and Dr. Joseph Matoli, Mattioli, the founder of Pocono Raceway. So keeping that in mind, I think Matt Kenseth fits in K on that list. Now, they're going to pick uh, somebody from that list to be, um, the, you know, five people are going to be picked all together. I think three are from the modern era ballot, two from the pioneer ballot, and oh, I'm sorry, one from the pioneer ballot and one from the landmark ballot. So taking that into consideration, Matt Kenseth's name is just added to that list this year. So I do see somebody other than Matt Kenseth being selected from modern era ballot. There are other drivers on that list. I think about Jeff Burton and all the things he did on the track, but he did so much more off of the track. He's a broadcaster now with uh, NBC, uh, but he also uh, has done so much for the safety of the sport. Uh, he was known as the mayor of the garage in NASCAR. Uh, so he was a leader within the sport as well. I, I don't see necessarily Matt Kenseth being, having those kind of contributions to the sport. Uh, so I do think that there are some other people here uh, that might be more worthy of being voted in this year. Now his name will remain on the list. And we'll see how that kind of shapes up moving forward. But I agree. I, I do think Sam Art is a good uh, choice to add to this list. There, again, uh, A.J. Foyt is added to that list. Uh, I think those are good additions to that list. And we'll see what happens. I think uh, those guys, I, I do agree with you that A.J. Foyt didn't necessarily uh, do anything beyond the seven wins, including the 72 Daytona 500. But I think he is a pioneer when you think about the crossover from the other series that come into the sport. So I think there's something to be said for, for him there. And then the people that are on this list for the Landmark Award, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they pick there. Uh, my vote would probably go uh, – I'm kind of – uh, between three different people here with Janet Guthrie, Mike Hilton, and Lisa France Kennedy. Um, really, the top two there are Mike Hilton and Lisa France Kennedy. Uh, one of those two, I would guess, are going to be uh, in this year's uh, Hall of Fame class. Puts it into a little bit more perspective, Jay. Yeah, and, and this is why when Moody talks about it, of, of being in that room and being part of it, it is not that they are undeserving um, to be on the list or to be eligible. It is who is the most or more so. Uh, you, you just yes. there, right there, and he said this is what happens. As you talk about some of the things drivers have done and what their contribution was, you know, you talk about it back and forth, and you got to evaluate who is the most deserving or done the most. Yes, A.J. Foyt done the crossover. And that's where I said, if it's a motorsports hall of fame or auto racing in general, absolutely at the top of the list. Um, coming over to NASCAR, as, as you said, one of the first crossovers, if you will, 
there is something to be said for that. So I can understand that. And that brings it back up to making a tough decision. We mentioned mm-hmm. uh, comparing Matt Kenseth to Jeff Burton. Again, and if, if you have some of the statistics there of Jeff Burton as a driver, you know, solid driver, very good driver, um, didn't win any championships. I know he's got some of the bigger event wins, but his is more so on the side of what he also contributed, as you mentioned, from the safety aspect. And I believe he's part of the uh, group now with Kyle Petty, is he not? I don't remember Kyle Petty and Jeff Burton and, uh, involved in that, and I can't think of the name of it now. Um, it's not the Driver Alliance, but another mixture for uh, representing the team owners and drivers and owners and track owners all together, a mixture. Um, that mm-hmm. he is very involved in it. And then continuing in the broadcast booth as a regular broadcast, he's still involved with the sport. And ironically, I saw some comments, and I wasn't able to uh, bring them back up and post them on here, but there was some talk that Jimmy Johnson shouldn't be because, as this person put it, he showed up, he drove, he won some races, and he left. He retired and he left. Mm-hmm. He's no longer involved in the sport. Okay, on his aspect, though, look at what he did accomplish. He is tied with Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty, seven-time champion. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. credentials that back it up on the track. Okay, when you talk about ones that maybe don't have the wins in the championships, then you got to consider, okay, what else did they contribute to the sport from the other aspect? And there are certain drivers, I, I talked about Sam Ard. I mean, carried the sport. Yeah, yes, he was winning. Was he winning the championships? And all he's got the most victories, I know, or did have until uh, Kyle Busch came along um, and Mark Martin, but really carried the sport during that era. You know, we talk about Jeff Gordon. Yes, he's got championships and wins, but he really transitioned us as it carried us into another era from the Southeast mm-hmm. uh, racing to a national sport. Okay, so there's something to be said for that. And that's where I think you got to look at all the different things. And that's not to take away from Kenseth. I just think there are drivers that have done more on the track or outside of it to still support the sport. I hear you. Uh, We're coming up to uh, 11, I'm sorry, 12.30. And I just, in case we go over time here, uh, I know nobody's listening, so maybe I don't have to do that. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Usually I make that announcement, but nobody's listening, so... It's not a big deal. Oh, no, that's okay. right. You're right. On the, on the podcast, it's all going to be listening straight through. So, <laughs> Exactly. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you bring up some really good points. And uh, to be on the panel that reviews all of these, but you're right. It's the conversation that takes place while they're looking at all of these people uh, that kind of sorts out who should be nominated. And uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear that conversation because I'm sure it's fascinating. But, uh, uh, you know, we've got a panel that includes uh, people like Godfather Moody and some other people uh, that are involved with the sport, uh, that, including drivers. And I think there's even a fan vote that is included uh, as part of that conversation. So, um it's really an interesting process. Uh, I like what they did as far as uh, uh, the next stage of evolution, if you will, in reviewing how they come up with the five people that are 
are not are are elected into the uh, 2023 uh, Hall of Fame class, uh, and uh, I think I think every year it's just it's going to start getting harder and harder uh, to figure out who to put in on these lists um, for the upcoming years. So I, I can't wait to see who the five people are going to be. Yeah, it, it's one that I can't say I've ever, ever disagreed with a driver they have put in as far as being, and this is normally Dave Moody's way of putting it, you know, like I said, everybody on the list is deserving. It is the question of who is most deserving, you know, in that group and at that time. And, and it really is a tough decision. Uh, you know, he talks about that of, of if he had more votes, I think his tweet uh, from yesterday uh, when fans were starting to talk about this, you know, he gets three votes, uh, as mentioned, two for the modern era, one for the uh, pioneer. And I don't know, I think it's a separate panel that uh, does the landmark one, but that, you know, that's his contribution. And he said it's a struggle, you know, and he, he just feels the honor of being, being able to be a part of that discussion and hear some of the things maybe he didn't even know that drivers were doing of uh, the contributions off the track, like we mentioned. Uh, you know, anybody can look up statistics in, in the book, um, but knowing the driver and what other contributions they made, and I think that's always the kind of the determining swaying factor in it. Exactly. So uh, really, really interesting conversation there. Uh, Jay, you want to bring up the next topic, or are we done? Well, I think the only other one, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit. I know it, he, uh, Mike put it up here. We do have another driver, and I think we're going to see some more of these pop up. Uh, Harrison Burton is going to run the – let's see, pull it up here. Uh, number 17, the so it's DG. There you go. Uh, David Gillen Racing Truck Series event. Um, we talked about this. We saw, I think, Joey Logano is going to do it. We see it even at Martinsville, William Byron running it. Uh, I think, again, now that it's not Kyle Busch, that it's okay, uh, as long as it's not Kyle <laughs> Busch. And I've always fought against that. You know, it's not a Kyle Busch rule. Um, it's a driver rule, but uh, it came about due to and Kyle, Kyle Busch. Bush... I'm a... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Kyle Busch brings a lot of people to the track when he races. And that's why I say I've never had a problem. With, um, I do like the fact that NASCAR has limited it. You know, whether that balance is right for, you know, Kyle still has some complaints as far as an owner and bringing sponsorship in. Um, but I've never had a problem with any driver doing it on occasion. We go back, and again, I have been around that long already, say 10 years, if it's been that far back. I wasn't a fan of Carl Edwards, Kevin Harvick running both series full time. But NASCAR adjusted that. You have to declare for a particular uh, championship battle of one of the three that you're eligible for points. And now they've limited the number of starts. And I'm not going to get into what the right number of starts is. Um, I was okay with it being at 10. They cut it down to seven and now down to five. That's where they felt the right balance was at. And I know, like I said, Kyle still has issues with that as far as on his truck team saying that, you know, his races, he, that's what brings in the sponsorship. Um, that's mm -hmm. between them. I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, 10, 10 or less uh, anywhere in that neighborhood was okay with me. Yeah, and it, it, he's going to race the Bristol Dirt Race 
Uh, and, and that makes sense, really. I mean, a lot of these drivers have raced on asphalt most of their careers, uh, and getting that seat time on the dirt is going to help them in the cup car uh, to some degree um, uh, when you're talking about racing on that Bristol dirt. So he's just looking for seat time. You're going to see cup series drivers doing that. Uh, and racing it um, the Bristol Dirt in the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series uh, just to get the seat time and the experience of racing the dirt at Bristol. Uh, so I don't think it's anything unusual. Uh, I know Mike's comments is he's had a rough year so far in Cup. Hopefully a good run in the truck will give him some confidence so he can take back to the Cup Series. I think he's looking to get the seat time. Um, if he wins, sure, it's going to build his confidence, uh, and that's always a good thing. But I think he's, he's really just looking for that experience on the dirt. And I see absolutely nothing wrong with it. No, there are, yeah, there are so many benefits to it. And as fans, you, you don't always see it. You know, Sharon, you, you and I have talked to every driver that has come on. The drivers like <laughs> it, you know. When you get an experienced driver that comes down, you get to be around them in the garage. You can talk to them. If nothing yeah. else, you follow them on the track, see what they're doing, see how they're taking a different lines. Um, so there's benefit to it. Obviously, in this case, DG, uh, DGR Racing, they got a race filled with a sponsor that maybe they didn't have filled and, and we're going to be able to compete. So it benefits them. And then if he gets that experience, improves his racing on dirt, going to make for a better cup race come sunday you know i like i mm-hmm. said the only the only drawback is yes the fans you see certain drivers that come in and dominate i understand that but it's not like they're doing it every week like i said when it when carl edwards and kevin harvick were running full time yeah you, you know you didn't have you didn't get to see that other competition get a chance because they were with a top organization running full-time both xfinity and cup I, I agreed that that needed to be adjusted, and NASCAR has done a great job with that. These part-time starts or occasional starts, and I get frustrated with the fans because, like I said, Kyle Busch does it, the world gets in an uproar. Chase Elliott does it, and they applaud. You know, they want to see it. I just <laughs> I disagree with that aspect to it that they pick and choose of who they want there and who they don't. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but it is kind of the fickleness of the fans. Uh, the reason they don't like Kyle Busch doing it is because he wins, and they feel like it takes a win away from the other drivers. But honestly, and you said it, we talked to the drivers that are involved in those situations, and guess what? They love it because they're learning from Kyle Busch and, and watching what he does on that track. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. Uh, I don't think it's a problem that Kyle Busch is doing it in the truck series. Uh, he's kind of living up to his his uh, promise that if he got to 100 wins in the Xfinity series, he was no longer going to race in the Xfinity series. And he's held to that so far. So uh, I think it's all good. So, and that, that, um, whoops. No, go ahead. To, to hit on that real quick, that too. I know that's what he said. And like you said, he has held to it. Um, if the opportunity or situation were to arise, a sponsor says, hey, we want to be in the Xfinity Series. We want to be on Kyle Busch's car. Can he come do one race? I'm okay with that, even though he said he'd quit after 100, because that is part of the business aspect of it. If a sponsor says, hey, we'll do it if Kyle Busch races it for us, bring that sponsor in. 
once they get hooked and understand, okay, now let's pick the next driver that isn't Kyle Busch, it'll develop that relationship. So it's a, I don't even want to say necessary evil because I don't see it as an evil, but it would make Kyle go back on his word. And again, for Joe Gibbs Racing, if that's what they need, I say do it. Mhm. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Okay. Uh, boy, I'm trying to look at who to make my pick for the truck series. Uh, this is going to be a tough uh, tough thought. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up here uh, before we go off today is that uh, not Kyle Bush, but um, there's a penalty for Brad Keselowski that is being appealed and heard today by the appeal board. And uh, I'm kind of curious to see how that comes out. Have you seen anything on social media yet on any results of that appeal yet? Oh, was it today or tomorrow? I thought April 7th was the date. Uh, oh, you're right. I know it when, is when tomorrow. Mike, that's it right. Yeah, because Mike said we didn't know if we'd hear back from it even uh, for the Thursday night show. Because although the appeal was heard, uh, it would depend on the final outcome. Uh, we not might not hear it before if we were doing the normal Thursday night show. So that should come sometime tomorrow or Friday. I would uh, would expect. Ah, okay. So yeah, so just watch for that because that is going to be interesting uh, to see how that all works out um uh from the appeal and this is the penalty to Brad Keselowski probably one of the biggest penalties we've seen in NASCAR uh probably ever I don't remember anything ever being as big as this one uh so we'll see what happens uh in that uh appeal process uh but you're right well, I used to doing the show on Thursday and I had Thursday on my mind I thought we, we need to watch for that <laughs> But you're right, that's not until tomorrow, and we might not even know until Friday. Uh, it definitely is a big one, as you mentioned. I mean, their, their season kind of, I feel like, and I think Mike agreed, we all kind of felt like uh, their season kind of does depend on the outcome of this. But when you talk about big penalties, there's two others that come to my mind. Uh, Carl Long, in the, I think it was in the Xfinity Series, with having an illegal-sized engine, was $200,000. Um, and for him, especially in that team and organization, uh, really shut him down, uh, if not permanently, yeah. at least for quite a while, before he could even get back in the garage as a spotter or anything. The other one, and I, and I hate to bring it up, but Michael Waltrip Racing. When Toyota came in and Michael Waltrip Racing was a Toyota, uh, I'm trying to think back what the penalty was. They assume it was jet fuel in the engine. It had some type of gel, which they determined was some type of illegal fuel. Because uh, I think back then, uh, Michael Waltrip started 100 points in the hole as well, coming out of Daytona. <laughs> well, and I think, too, uh, when they were uh, received penalties for the uh, last race of the season when they were trying to get Martin Truex Jr. into the playoffs, uh, yes. Um, yes. Uh, that was a big deal, too. And uh, it pretty much shut down the organization as well. Yeah, that, you're right. That was kind of the cap cap to uh, to Michael Waltrip Racing, unfortunately. Uh, that one, and again, it may not be points. It's all relative. You know, the 100 points uh, initially from Michael Waltrip Racing I was talking about in that point system, 
kind of about equal. This one maybe wasn't as big, but it put them in that hole that is going to be really tough to work out of. Um, and just to mention that, I, I can't pull it up. I shut my computer down, but I believe Brad Keselowski is still 31st in point. Now, Denny Hamlin was also in the 30, 30th uh, and back range. That win, he's up to 20th. So that win could move him up, um, but we haven't quite seen them have that winning speed yet since Daytona. So we'll have to see how they mm-hmm. as a team recover from it uh, just in case, as we kind of believe, I don't think they're going to get away with this one, if you will, like they did from Daytona. So I think they're going to have to win their way in and, I mean, truly really start running a lot better and then hope that there aren't 16 or 15 or more winners um, that they're on the outside looking in, even with a victory. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think it's still possible, even if the appeal it doesn't work and they don't get any uh considerations that they're looking for. Uh, I think that it's still possible for Brad Keselowski to make it into the playoffs. If he gets a win and if he can keep himself in the top 30 in points, uh, he's going to perhaps be in. Uh, but there is a possibility if there are 16 different winners, uh, then he might not make it. So uh, Personally, I think Brad Keselowski is going to need more than one win in order to get into the playoffs this year. So uh, if he gets two wins, his chances uh, increase significantly uh, as far as getting into the playoffs this year. So I think that's what his goal has to be regardless. He's going to have to go after two wins uh, to get into the playoffs this year. And I think that's fair. I mean, It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the appeal, and we'll see how that all works out. They haven't told us what the part is yet, and I'm curious to find out what the part is. And I guess they're hesitating because they don't want other people tampering with the specific part, trying to gain an advantage. But NASCAR has said there's no tampering with these 30-some-odd parts, and if they mess with it, uh, and I've heard it said, even if there's a scratch on there, they should not be putting it on the car, because that would be considered tampering with that part. So it's up to the people that are putting these cars together to make sure that those parts are not tampered with in any way, shape, or form. So I think NASCAR has made that so clear, and the fact that they didn't um, penalize them at the highest extent that they could have for an L2 penalty, they, they kind of went to the low range or mid-range for the penalty, they didn't give him the stiffest penalty he could have gotten uh, for an L2 penalty. So I think those are things that are going to make it hard for them to win this appeal. But we'll see what happens. Well, and you, and you mentioned something there. Fans may, may think that's kind of ridiculous. You mentioned just the, the part uh, that they didn't tamper with it. It has a scratch in it. Okay, NASCAR doesn't know. They'd have to take it to the wind tunnel and say, okay, does that scratch, you know, adjust the airflow, anything like it. And I think back to when we saw teams doing pit stops, just a a single dent in the car of how much that changed. And we started watching closer, Mm -hmm. and with the technology we got today, we saw it where the jack man would throw his hip or the tire carrier changer would throw his hip Mm -hmm. into the car and dent the car. We, We realized that was being done intentionally. That wasn't an accidental bump. They were adjusting that fender and then saying, oh, it happened during the race. Well, they got caught. 
you never know where something like that, you know, a scratch down the middle of a panel, because uh, that seems to be the most popular answer as to what the part was, was one of the under panels of what a scratch or a gouge or something in that could affect under there. And NASCAR is saying, we're not going to spend our time looking at it. You put on a clean part, make sure it's clean, uh, and we won't have to worry about it. We're not going to spend our time trying to figure out if that was an advantage or not. It's not how that was supposed to have come, um, so don't do it. Mm-hmm. And even if it happens during the race, it's, it's a penalty because that part's been modified. Right. That's right. That's that's right. It was modified, whether it was intentional or not, you know, accidental, because, you, like I said, you don't know necessarily if it was an advantage and they're going to not take that chance. Exactly. So NASCAR really is taking the hard line on this this year. They're not messing around. Uh, and I applaud it. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've talked about penalties pretty meaningless in the past. And this is not meaningless. This means something, which is why they're appealing it. And uh, I do think that they need to have meteor penalties uh, for these teams that are playing around. Uh, and they're doing it now. So I hope they don't uh, give in too much because I think uh, the, the beauty of the penalty is that it is meaty and it does hurt. And then you're going to have to work harder to, to overcome it. So don't do it. Well, and and I think we've already we, we've already seen that with the uh, the truck series on that lug nut. Talked about their, that being a little bit shaved off. Now they proved or showed that it came from the manufacturer that way. NASCAR said that's not our problem. Whether there's an advantage to that or not, I can't even fathom uh, an advantage of you know the, that little bit shaved off a lug nut. But I don't know. And NASCAR is saying we're not going to spend the time. We told you not to have it on there. You got a problem, you take it to the manufacturer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and and that's that's right. They've got people going through those lug nuts to make sure that they're using the good ones and not the bad ones on, when they get uh, to race day. So uh, that's what it takes in, in this day and age. They've got to make sure that they're using spec parts on these cars when they put them together. And they've got to make sure that when they're doing these pit stops, that they're not doing anything to those parts uh, that are going to give them a competitive advantage. And like you said, it doesn't even matter if it does or it doesn't. If they if they've modified that part, it's a it's a it's a penalty. So I'm still wondering if they're going to give a penalty uh, for the uh, Kyle Busch incident where they put the grill instead of on the uh, brake duct uh, because. That was a modification. They did give him a black flag during the race. Uh, he ended up with a ninth place finish. Uh, so, do you think there's anything more coming there? As NASCAR said, one way or the other. No, I, I think that one was pretty much. And I didn't. I know Mike had one uh, audio clip. Um, I didn't get a chance. I know uh, they were coming up to that on Sirius XM this morning um, when they were talking about it. I think that was one of those, just like uh, leaving with. Uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, tools out of the out of your pit area. That's an in-race penalty. The way, especially the fact of when they were penalized, I think it hurt them more than if they'd have penalized them initially when they did it. Uh, NASCAR hadn't seen it at that point. When they did see it, I don't know how long it took, but they said they went back and re- through videotape to find out when it was put on there, if it was debris that came off the track, or if the team had put it on there, and that was part of the delay 
in the penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point in the race, because he never had as he didn't have as much time to recover from it, I think was the penalty itself. Uh, just like anything else, like I said, if you get a uh, tire get away from you in the pit stall, you have to do the pass through. It's the in race penalty. It's done. No more carryover uh, post race unless the wheel comes off the okay. car. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate getting that. I think it was Brad Moran that gave that explanation that they did their due diligence to review all of the video footage that they had available to determine exactly how that tape was put on there. Uh, And they wanted to make sure they did their due diligence with that. So that was part of the explanation for why it took the time that it took for them to call that. I think they did find it. Uh, They gave the lap the exact lap that they found it. But once they found it, they still had to do their due diligence. So uh, I think that's important for race fans to be aware of. I know, uh, what do we got left? Ten minutes? Um, didn't have it up on a hot topic, but something that uh, was being talked about as I talked about Sirius XM, what I did hear this morning, if you want to talk about real quick before we wrap up, Martinsville, this is a 400-lap race uh, instead of a 500-lap race. What you think the impact of that has on this race? Well, one of the things that I've always been um, proponent of is I think the NASCAR Cup Series is an elite series. And one of the things that makes it an elite series is the fact that not only are they driving the car and racing and all of those things, Part of the dynamic of the Cup Series is the stamina it takes to be able to race in this series. And it's one of the reasons that these races have been longer than they are in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series. And drivers will tell you that's one of the big learning curves that they have to go through when they transition to the Cup Series is the longer races and the effect that it has on the drivers um, and the team, for that matter. So... I'm okay with the 400 uh, lap race or 400 miles, whatever it is. I think it's a half mile track. Um, Yeah, I I just don't want them to shorten it to where it becomes just a notch better than Xfinity. I think that defeats the purpose of having a separate series. I think they need to have longer races in the Cup Series to distinguish it as the premier series. Uh, between NASCAR's top three series. And it's the length of these races that makes it a premier series and makes a difference between the other two series in NASCAR. So uh, I'm not necessarily an advocate of decreasing it too much. 400 laps, we'll see how that um But I don't think it's going to be that much different. Um, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'll be okay with 100 laps instead of 500, but don't don't shave off too much from these races. I think it it defeats the purpose of having a Cup Series. Okay. Yeah, you, you hit on it. It's finding finding a balance. Uh, one thing I think part of the reason uh, I see it as two part. Part of the reason is nowadays uh, the fan attention um, from that of a longer race. The other is back, and I don't know how far we want to go back, but the cars are built more solid. Now it's more about the driver, and you're right. There should be that next step of endurance um, to the cup level as they are longer races. 
but part of that was also the endurance of the car. And we just, we don't see that. We don't see blown engines as much. I know Kurt Busch had an issue this past weekend. Uh, so I'm sure he'd say that that's not entirely yeah. true. Yeah. But we don't see it as much as we did. Um, the other is just like stage racing and everything else is to amp up the excitement and pushing in a shorter period of time. I'm with you. I don't want to see them go too short, especially not getting down to where it's a, the same length as an Xfinity series race. But in this one, I don't think that hundred miles um, is going to be the a big difference. Now, the other thing is, and it was, I'm trying to think whose crew chief it was on. I don't want to say, cause I don't want to have the wrong one, but they were talking about that. It does change your strategy. If you got 500 laps and I'll say laps, cause in this case, it's a half mile track but a shorter time period, you don't have as long to adjust on the car to make it right. So there can be some benefit, um, you know, excitement to that of somebody that's off, they aren't going to have as much time to work on it and get it right and come from the back to the front as late, or they got to make bigger swings. You know, if they're adjusting it a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, you're going to have to make one bigger swing adjustment to get it right or hope to get it right because you just don't have that kind of time. So it does pick up the intensity. Um, I know we've talked about that in the years past as this has come up. You certainly don't want to mess with the Coca-Cola 600, the Daytona 500. You know, they're still as those crown jewels, especially the 600. Um, you don't want to mess with Darlington, right? There's another one. So some of these, like this Martinsville, at least one of them, cutting back this little bit uh, of 100 laps. Uh, I'm okay with, but I'm with you. I don't want to see them go much further because then you're right. It becomes an Xfinity race or a truck race. And and that's part of that next step, the evolution to the next level. Yeah, you brought up a good word, though, strategy. One of the things that I love is watching different strategies play out during the race. Uh, and and uh, it's a different strategy when it's a longer race than it is when it's a shorter race. Uh, we see this those strategies play out on the shorter races with the truck series and the Xfinity series. If they get too short, uh, it defeats the purpose of it being the cup series. <laughs> uh, again, I go back to that. So uh, I think the 100 miles, I agree with that. I think that's going to be okay. I want to see how it plays out this weekend. But I do think uh, that if they take off too much time, uh, it takes away from that long-term strategy. Uh, which can be just as exciting because now you're, you're, you're hoping and praying that your team does get it figured out so they can be there at the end of that race. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I don't think it's going to make a huge dent, uh, but uh, it, it's just a word of a yellow flag for me. Uh, I just don't want them to go too far in uh, making the adjustments to the length of the races for the Cup Series because, to me, that's what distinguishes the Cup Series from the Xfinity Series. And and stamina uh, and endurance become a part of uh, that equation. Uh, so don't, don't, don't take that away from the Cup Series. Well, and, and we saw this. You, you mentioned it uh, this past weekend at, at Richmond. I mean, it was all about different strategies. Um, you know, I don't mm-hmm. want to see every race come down to a fuel mileage. I don't want to see every race come down to a tire strategy. But seeing this one at Richmond, I mean, they're in the closing laps. William Byron had the older tires, was trying to hold off Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, and we saw some great racing, and you didn't know how it was going to play out. So, you know, especially there again, once in a while seeing that, once in a while seeing the fuel mileage. I'm okay with that. 
and, and there's two things that come into that when you shorten a race. Martinsville, not as much on the, uh, on the fuel mileage side, but tire track position. I mean, that always becomes a factor. Um, so, yeah, seeing things like that, I like that, that mixture of it. When we go to Daytona and Talladega, we see the super speedway style uh, drafting come into play. Road courses, it's different. Short tracks, it's different. So I like that mixture. And this one kind of, like you said, uh, got to wait and see how much it becomes a factor, um, whether that 100 miles is a huge difference or not. But I just don't want to see them go too short with it or try and shorten it too much that it takes all that away. Yeah, 100% agree. Okay, we're coming up to the top of the hour here. So, uh, Jay, where are you going to be this weekend? Well, I'm going to say I'm going to be at home, but don't think that means I'm not going to a racetrack. Uh, Magnolia Motor Speedway, the home of the Black Ice, 15 minutes across town here, having a Golden Egg Spring Nationals. And both the series I'm working with combining for a couple of events this year, this being one of them, the Mississippi Street Stock Series, as well as now the Ultimate Street Stock Challenge, uh, should be a huge, huge Street Stock event. And, yeah, I get to come home and at least sleep in my own bed for for the nights, but I'll be at the track during the day. <laughs> ah, very cool. Very, very cool. Okay. Well, uh, I did get the news and notes, <laughs> but we're done with our preview oh, okay. here. I think, we did, I think we did okay in spite of uh, not having news this week. But, uh, uh, anyway, I appreciate all that you do, Jay, and thanks for being available for this podcast today. Uh, we'll get it out this afternoon for race fans to have a preview prior to that truck series race tomorrow night out at Martinsville Speedway. Uh, I am Banfor Racing site on Twitter, Banfor Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including BanforRacing.com, which uh, in just a little bit will have the player available at BanforRacing.com so fans can listen to our preview of Martinsville Speedway this weekend, as well as the hot topics between Jay and myself uh, afterwards. So uh, uh, appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate you taking time to hear what we have to say. We are on Amazon Music now, so if you're an Amazon Music uh, subscriber, uh, you can listen to our podcast there, as well as iTunes, iHeartRadio. I we're available all over the place, which makes it really hard to tell exactly how many listeners we have. But uh, we do really appreciate everybody for tuning in. Um, and uh, with that, Jay, I think we're ready to call it a, not a day. And uh, we'll look forward to the racing at Martinsville this weekend. All right. Enjoy the race weekend. We'll talk to you again come Monday night. Good night, everybody.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.